just came across my news feed. It was Salesforce granting some equity awards to an employee who joined Salesforce in connection with its acquisition of Unity and the, the name, name of the company is Unity and Variety. Have you heard of this company? Mm-mm. No. So I Googled that and I found this is like a TechCrunch article. <clears throat> and apparently, um, and this goes back like the beginning of the year. These guys were ex-Facebook designers that quip, I guess they, no, they, okay. Yeah, ex-Facebook designers, they, I guess they worked on the the Facebook Messenger rewrite, which apparently was considered really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, they founded this little company called Unity and Variety. They made some mobile, cute mobile game called Pinchworm. I've never heard of it. But then Quip bought them a while back. Um, I don't know when. Before, I guess before Salesforce bought Quip. Quip bought, basically, it was just an aqua hire. Right? They just bought these guys. They're apparently really good designers. And maybe those, those, these guys, these Unity and Variety guys, are the ones who are behind this, you know, how Quip had a made like a significant like UI refresh recently. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it was those guys. Hmm. But back to the original news article, one of these, yeah, Salesforce granted a total of 27,473 restricted stock units to one employee at Unity and Variety. If you do the math on that, that's over $2 million. And one of those guys made out pretty well. <laughs> that seems odd, though. I know, Salesforce, uh, the John and Jeremy podcasting company are, is, are available for acquisition <laughs> and, and subsequent restricted stock units. If, <laughs> if you would like to info at gooddaysirpodcast.com, let, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, could you imagine? <laughs> that would not work. <clears throat> it would not. Anyway. Well, John, what's new? The the um, I, I feel like the catch and release thing worked out for us. I think so. <clears throat> uh, I'm not set up to do that right now, though. Let me. Uh, do I have a document and everything already? Well, yeah, get set up. You need to do that. I think it worked well because number one, I think we got positive feedback from it. People liked it, and particularly from I think we heard from somebody from Australia or somewhere that I predicted that that would they'd be able to get it before the weekend, which I think is good. But also, I just looked at the stats and. The, the numbers for that episode last week are really good. I just think it works. I think people, more, it's more accessible to people when we, when we release on Wednesday. And it's, uh, it's just better on us. Yeah, no, but I agree. That's, that's the big I'm thing, really. less work for us. So hopefully I'm, I've been vamping long enough that so, you've been able to create a document. <laughs> well, I was about to ask, did you create one already? If not, then I need No, that's to. what I was just vamping for. Oh. What are you doing over there? Like looking at porn or something? <laughs> I was looking. You stared at your screen. I was looking for the doc, because you asked me what episode number it was, and I told you, so I thought you were creating the document. No, I was creating all the, setting up all the uh, multi-track stuff here. Just cl- you know, you can right-click on in Google Docs and just do make a copy. You can. Yeah, I'll just do that now. Are you, no, I already, I already, you already created it. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, forget it. Why is it not showing up on mine then? Because you're lame. No, I'm on the same thing you are. You didn't put it in the right folder again. I bet. Yes, I did. Let's. I don't have it. You're going to have to cut this all out. <laughs> no, one, no one wants to anyway. hear about our trials and tribulations of getting a document. So I, I, think we need to, I think we need to keep doing the catch and release. Okay, fair enough. And it is there. You just need to refresh. Oh, you didn't, you didn't clone it, though, because we don't have the nice little fancy bullets. I'm getting those in right now. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Man. Well. On me today. I know. Well, just, you know, we need to... 
We need to tighten up our processes, John. We need to Kaizen this thing. <laughs> uh, you're going to apply some Six Sigma yeah. statistics to it. No, you're the Kaizen master, not me. I don't remember any of that stuff anymore. It was all bull crap. Uh, I don't know. Well, it, it gets turned into bullcrap by managers who abuse it for their own career gains. I felt like certain people felt empowered by it, but whether but beyond the exercises that it employed and how that bubbled up, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so what's new? What's anything? Got any topics or what have you been working on? Anything good? Yeah, I have some follow up from last week. I think. And, and we have we don't have any reviews, so we don't have any reviews. But um, we do have uh, a question for the community. Yeah, because I don't think we did any questions last week. I don't know if we just didn't get to it or didn't have any questions. I don't think we had any. I'm trying to remember. I don't think we had any. Well, this would be a good time then to advertise. <laughs> if you have any questions for us, you'd like to t- us to talk about on the podcast or topics or just tips or whatever, um, shoot us a note. Info at gooddayserpodcast.com. We will, by default, not use your name unless you give us permission to. That's the policy. Does that should that apply to our Slack channel and everything, and Twitter and everything else? Or I've been meaning to ask that because we we do that for the emails we get. Yeah, but I figure since it's Twitter and Slack, it's public. So okay, well, let's do our. We have a question. Let's do it. Well, I wanted. Okay, let's do the question. <clears throat> uh, this one's from Matt Lacey. He gave us permission to use his name, so thank you, Matt. Fellow uh, podcaster of of uh, code, coverage. code coverage fame, but they're back in they're back in the saddle. Yeah, we have another episode. I have it on my queue to listen to. Is this the one from like a week ago, or is there yet another new one? I think it was a week ago. Okay. I haven't checked, but I, I know it's on my queue. And as soon as I catch up on my podcast, it'll it'll queue up next. I think I already listened to it, and I think I remember. I ha- there were like three things that I wanted to, I, you know, I'm, as I'm listening, as I was listening to that episode, that I wanted to, uh, like, I don't know. Respond to? Yeah, respond about. But I'm, you know, I'm in the car or whatever, and I didn't have any way. Now I forget what they are. You should, you should, ask, you should ask Jody how, how she does it, because she's always listening in the car and, and, and screaming, and then she gets, she gets to... Does she make notes, or does she remember? I don't know, what but, to, but she remembers enough oh. to, to get on Slack and to, to hit you up on it. Well, I've been, I've been wondering why uh, podcast apps don't have a... Like, there should be, like, a take a note right now, and you can enter a note, and it pegs, it, it like, demarks that point in the episode. And so you've got your notes tied to certain points in the episode that you can go, you can read your note, and then you can go back and you can see where that was in the file and, and listen to it again. Why don't they do that? Well, I don't, I don't, it, I think it depends on how you listen to podcasts. Because if you're in the car or you're jogging or riding or however you listen to it, you don't, your hands, no, but that's you're what, not really that's what available the, to take notes. But all these phones have really good voice dictation. Like, why is there not a button that's just like, do a voice memo now? And I can just do a quick voice memo. I don't know. I guess because that means it, integrating to some, to Siri specifically or Google now specifically, or it, I could even just any, any, anytime the system keyboard comes up, there's the microphone button on it. So they wouldn't have to do anything to implement that. Yeah, it's just, they get it for free. I'd, I mean, it would be nice if you could just kind of audibly just start taking a note in between. Right. All right. Well, let's get to the question. Uh, so I'm going to read this directly, but uh, I guess it's for me. This is really, this is really for John since Jeremy's apparently kept his hands clean of lightning. Parentheses, which I think is a smart move. <laughs> and the question is, By the way, you, I haven't kept my hands clean of lightning because out of choice or whatever. It's just because none of my clients can use lightning. They're just on. They're just in this. I think what's a large bucket of Salesforce users who just can't use lightning because of features or 
or features, existing investment, just the training. There's just, no, no, it's not even that. There's just major deal breakers in terms of stuff's not going to work. And I think that's going to be common for for you and I because we, the world we live in is heavy customization, you know, building out, you know, very specific tools and things like that. And for us to start moving into Lightning means either rewriting those tools or or just new customers coming and saying, hey, we want this built and let's build it in Lightning. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to get a, a client that's, you know, new on Salesforce that, and so they can do Lightning and so I can do Lightning. So I just don't, I don't have the opportunity. You want me to find you a project? <clears throat> sure, I can find you a Lightning project. <clears throat> well, let me get through my current work queue because it's pretty long. <laughs> anyway, all right. Too busy, too yep. busy for Lightning. All right, the question is, do you think that the way Lightning is headed, we're in danger of losing almost all the benefits of the JavaScript ecosystem? To my mind, using Aura is quickly giving me the same feeling I had when I learned when I learned uh, when I learned to use Visual Force. You can use third party stuff, but it's limited and requires you to jump through hoops. That's the question. And I guess it is for me since I've been using it. But do you have any thoughts? Any? Because it doesn't necessarily have to be a Lightning thing. It's just really around. Uh, I guess the implementation of Lightning. I guess mainly Locker Service is really what we're talking about. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Just you know, yeah. The the way that you would, you know, pretend you're not a, you're not in the Salesforce ecosystem. The way that you would, if you started out and today started a new project, and you're going to build a, a JavaScript based you know web app, mm-hmm. you know the way you would build it, the tools you would have available to you, the languages, the the frameworks, all the things that would be available to you, are do those make sense for Lightning development? Can you use those in Lightning development? And I, and I'll let you give the final answer because you probably know better than I do. But it's, it seems to me like some of them maybe, but a lot of them no. You just can't work that way. You can't use those things. It really comes down to the way they're trying to secure the page itself because your 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 component is running with everything else. And we've talked about this in, in Lightning Service and and how the thought process and the reason behind its implementation. It's not necessarily a Salesforce doesn't want you to do things. They just want to try to secure the platform and make sure you're not interfering with other people's plugins. Or components, um, but th- but there is a blog post out there, um, and uh, this has been on my queue to bring up to, as a topic for a while now. But there are some libraries that are apparently, at least in their current state, current version, that do that does work with Locker Service. Now, I'm just going to quickly list them off here, but it says um, this was an article from Christoph Konrats. I'm assuming he's a Salesforce employee. I should, probably should know who he is. Uh, but this was on Locker Service and Lightning Container Component Security using third-party libraries and Lightning Components. So there's a whole article. I'll put this in the show notes. So you can read about it in terms of using third-party libraries with, with Locker Service. Um, but the list is React, Chart.js, D3, Leaflet, RxJS, Numeral.js, that's one of my favorites, Underscore, Full Calendar, Gauge, jQuery, jQuery UI, Data Tables, Select 2. And there is a disclaimer on this that says the versions above are known to work. We can't make any guarantee about future versions of these libraries. So there is, you know, I, I know that people are building things with some of these frameworks in Lightning and they are kind of working around issues where they bump up against locker service or something doesn't seem to work right and you're just working around it. Um, so, so it's not entirely accurate to say that you can't do this stuff in there. It just does kind of make things a little more Difficult because you're working in in this very well. What are, what are the things that li- what are the things that Locker Service prevents you from doing? Well, it 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 abstracts the the window model. I mean, the window object in JavaScript. It, it abstracts your ability to kind of walk through the entire DOM and those kind of things. Abstracts? Do you mean prevents? 
prevents. It overrides the window and, and um, document um, objects in JavaScript. How does, and how would that possibly not break things? Because there's, I mean, like jQuery was on that list. I mean, there's tons of places where jQuery, you know, hooks into window or document. And I think for certain parts of it, it probably does break it. But there are parts of it that probably do still work. Maybe so. There, there are probably certain features that work and, and that do not. I don't have an exhaustive list. And I, I doubt Salesforce has gone through and done an exhaustive list because it's really, it, it doesn't benefit them to do that. Yeah, it's really going to be a community-driven thing for us to kind of go and say, "Hey, I'm I'm a big React user. I've used it with Salesforce. These are the things that work, and these are the things that don't." And also, I've, I've wondered, like, what's the story? Like, let's say you're, you know, you want to do your JavaScript in ES6, and you're you, you want to do, you know, SAS or less, and you have like a little thing that does like a little auto build or whatever. Does that does that all kosher with Lightning? I think if if it all compiles to an end product that gets pushed up, then yes. And just and what is that experience like? Because again, that's one of the been the problems with existing Salesforce development where you might have some tooling like this or some kind of build pipeline that produces these artifacts, but then they've got to be zipped up into a thing and then into a static bund, static, uh, what do they call static resource and then yeah. upload. And it's just like, and that, that cycle, that, that edit, save, and then refresh cycle is horrendous on, with Salesforce. Is it the same with Lightning or is, it, is the story much better? No, it's it's the exact same. Really? Yeah. In fact, it, it, you're further restricted because, at least with Visual Force, you could kind of um, link out to say Google's, you know, CDN for jQuery libraries and things like that. But my understanding is it's it's that much more restrictive that you won't be able to do that. You have to include those libraries as a static resource for your component. So your component has its own static resource, and you have to include that. And I believe that's mainly to get to get out of. Um, your version of jQuery impacting with someone else's version of jQuery. So it has to be in its own static resource so that you're using your specific version of that library. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's another problem with if you've got a, a screen in Salesforce and it and you've you know you've got uh, a couple of your own uh, in-house components on that screen and then three or four you know third-party components on on the same screen. I mean, do these things all are all bringing in their own copy yeah, of jQuery. They are. Oh my god! And that, that, well, that's that's one of the things that's going to add to performance issues, at least when on page load times, because every comp- if if you have a lot of components on your screen, a lot of custom or third party components, and they all have their own libraries. In there's there's no, you know, like today with browsers, if it sees that you already have jQuery, it's not going to try to redownload it again. You already have it. Um, but if, because if it's the same exact version, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, well, the browser will download it again. I mean, it'll it'll it will re-execute that file. But I mean, most things like jQuery, for example, is smart enough to it checks to see if it's if it's already been loaded. Yeah, but I mean, it's just something to deal with. It there's really no getting around it. I mean, how else do you solve that problem? Also, and what does it say that out of the tens of thousands of JavaScript libraries and frameworks and things that are out there that they had they wrote a blog post that literally lists like the dozen of all those that you can use. Right. <laughs> now, maybe he's just saying, here are examples. I didn't read the post. Yeah, I mean, th- these are examples. And I think I think the article really targets the community's concern that, you know, yes, we, we have JavaScript now, and, and all right, I'm going to get to use all my favorite libraries. But there's a but, and that but is that locker service exists to try to protect both Salesforce and your components from, from everyone else's that's, that's participating in the same sandbox. And... Um, with that comes some trade-offs. Yeah. And some of the libraries are, I mean, most libraries aren't designed to work in that kind of isolation. They're, they're designed to, to really 
heavy-handedly, you know, take control of the DOM. Well, I think that's why they implemented this new f- thing that just wraps your thing in an iframe. Yeah, so they have that that new kind of container, lightning container component, which is your out. So if you have a, you know, if you have a framework that you really like using and it, it's, again, it's really heavy-handed and wants full control of the DOM and, and everything else, then your out is to put your application or your component inside a lightning container tag. And that tag essentially... <laughs> puts your component in an iframe. You know, and it's, I mean, I, and I know it sounds like I'm kind of, I don't know, down or critical on this, but the thing is like, if, if I were to, if someone said, hey, Jeremy, why don't you build a system that allows people to put JavaScript components on a page and they can come from different sources and whatever, I don't know how I would do it. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what I would do that would maintain security, but improve things. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I mean, that require someone much smarter than me to uh and maybe there is maybe maybe this is just as good as it gets right now for if you want this flexibility if you want to be able to you know click clickety clackety draggy droppy your things onto the screen um guess what that's not going to result in great engineering you're going to be double you know triple quadruple loading everything from jquery to underscore and all these things and right. you know you're going to have slow page load times. You're going to look at a, a rotating rainbow for the next three months. But that's what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what you get. It's kind of a Frankenstein of a, of a system at that point. I guess it is, but that, that depends on how extensively people are going to try to use these frameworks. I, and, and getting back to the question itself, um, I think JavaScript is going to be new to a lot of people. So a lot of these frameworks, you know, for those of us that have been doing some JavaScript and have found a framework that we enjoy using and have spent time learning and exploring it and learning ins and outs, um, we get to learn a whole new era of that and how it works with Salesforce. But for a lot of people who are maybe, you know, Apex-first developers and are starting to get into JavaScript, you know, I'd, I'd probably tell them to, my advice would be to focus on learning JavaScript, not so much a framework and try to do as much vanilla JavaScript as you can with your Lightning components. And then as you develop and as you find that, you know, you need some certain things, you can go out and, and explore a framework <laughs> that can help you do something, this, maybe improve productivity yeah. or, you know, prevent you from having to reinvent the wheel. But I don't know, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm definitely subscribing to the, the movement of vanilla JS as, as time goes yeah, by. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so much of that. Like, I'm, I'm very happy with... ES6. I'm very happy with using SAS instead of, you know, raw CSS. I'm 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 definitely not. I mean, th- there's definitely we're, we there's this like hipster web developer thing going on where it's like <laughs> they use nothing but like vanilla JavaScript, you know, plain CSS, no preprocessors allowed. I'm just like fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. But I'm gonna I'm gonna work with these tools that make me more. Well, I, I like I like TypeScript and I like you know SAS and all those kind of things. However, I do think there's value in trying to understand and learn and use you know some of these new ES6 stuff and and understand them from a base level because I mean chances are the framework is using those as well just behind the scenes and, and abstracted from you but if you don't understand that or you don't understand how that's working or how that might um, bubble up or, or reveal itself in its implementation to you you know you're you're kind of not growing as a developer you're kind of letting this other thing do it all for you yeah that's always a, a balance to strike how much do you need to know about the underlying thing. How much do you really need to know about actual JavaScript? How much do you need to know about how computers allocate in page memory? Yeah. How much do you really need to know about how CPU registers work and how machines work and how operating systems work? I mean, I don't know. I mean, how do, do you really need to know how algorithms work? How, you know, what hashing algorithm something uses or whatever? I mean, 
it, the answer is it depends, right? And and here's the problem. You well, <laughs> you may find out at an inter- inopportune time that you there's something that you're not that you don't understand that's preventing you from getting something done, but you don't know what it is because yeah. like you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I will say that, you know, understanding the base level of something, how something works at a very basic level can really help you troubleshoot something, especially when working with a framework, because you can kind of see the symptoms of something through, you know, some kind of log file or something. You might see some kind of memory issue or some kind of database write issue as it gets bubbled up, and you'll be able to recognize that, and it, it can help you troubleshoot and find something. But of course, we're living in the world of cloud and Salesforce. You, even though you might see it, you might not be able to do anything about it. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it's also interesting, you know, you, if you think of these kind of like basically visual force developers that uh, weren't, you know, that it's pretty much their only programming experience that are now going to get into Lightning. And man, what what a, what a, I would say, challenging time to jump from visual force to JavaScript. Number one, I mean, the, the JavaScript landscape, it's still, it's changing so fast. And it's, it's mm-hmm. honestly such a mess. I mean, it's really a mess. Um, there's so much to learn. And then the question of, you know, like I said, I mean, do this underlying, do underlying things matter? I mean, at what point do you, but, you know, do you start learning about algorithms and data structures and does that even matter? And I mean, I don't even, at this point, like if, if you were like say someone who, you know, kind of taught themselves visual, visual force and now they want to learn lightning, I, I think, I think I would kind of go with your advice. Just learn, I would say, learn the basics of JavaScript um, don't worry about other low-level stuff. I mean, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah. It's, again, it's like you you may realize you need to learn something that you don't know at a or at, at a at a time that's not great for you, um, or you just may be bumping. You know, you may find yourself just banging your head against the wall on a project for two weeks, and it's because there's the stuff that you don't know that you don't know. Right. But still, I mean, I don't know. Just whatever. Well, the other thing that complicates this is the fact that you're already using a framework. It's called Aura. Yeah, I know, and it's <laughs> so you're you're kind of the the matrix level few yep. levels deep of okay, you're 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 programming in a framework, and now you're trying to add another framework inside of that other framework. Yeah, is that the rabbit hole? Pretty much, it's a <laughs> fractal. All right, um, well, I've got a couple topics, and then we can uh, we can get into um, what is it like? I guess we had this the the fiscal year eighteen kickoff. There's the, I feel like they don't have a good name for that. This is the second year they've done that. That it's not a last year was the fiscal two, 17 kickoff i guess that's what it is it's it's their fiscal year kickoff as if again as if customers care about their fiscal year i don't think the customers <laughs> really care um no salesforce kind of made us care about it didn't well, they well maybe this is cuz they 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 then then only they advertised that event heavily and we don't have to get into this right now but not only did they advertise it heavily but they also had uh user groups and everything were doing watch parties for yeah it. But you know the fact that they, the fact that it is a fiscal year kickoff tells you a lot about Salesforce, which is they are constantly selling to the investor community. Yes. Yeah. Hey, we still got stuff going on. There's still a reason to justify this insane PE. There's still a reason that we're at ten billion and we we you know <laughs> we can't make any money. And here's why. You know, it, it's the fact that and the, these things always revolve around a fiscal year or a quarter. Or even, I mean, I've got, we'll dig in here. I mean, I've, I've listened to a couple of these uh, interviews that Mark Benioff does, and and they'll ask him a question about something specific about Einstein, and his answer is, well, what about our great quarter last quarter? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> hello. Well, he's doing his job. Yeah. He's, being, he's, I guess. he's being the CEO. Um, but before we get into that stuff, is there, you know? Yeah, I, I had um, 
I had one other follow-up topic from last week, okay. and that was um, around the topic we had on consulting. Okay. And we, we shared a few thoughts on consulting, and um, it, it, got, it got back to me that maybe I was speaking in, in general, too general of terms, that I kind of painted this broad brush on consulting. I painted this broad brush on, you know, small consulting companies that and, and you know, what they particularly do. And I think I... And no one mentioned this to me, but when I re, when I went to back to re, re-listen to it, I felt like I might have kind of slided quick starts as a kind of bad thing, which wasn't was wasn't what I was trying to do. Um, and I'll explain. I think I think in general, when when we talk about consulting and size and how how you consult and and whether or not you're being a consultant or you're just being a, an implementation partner or you're just kind of there to to provide a service that says, hey, I'm, I want to get Salesforce up and running. I got everything else covered. Just just do the point and clicks for me, you know, that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think all that just is really dictated by the client. Um, there's, there's very few situations where you can go into a situation and dictate how the project is going to be run and what type of information and what the needs are, because you're constantly trying to balance the economics and time, time frame or timeline of the project. Um, and to that point, I think that, you know, quick starts could be valuable. Uh, you have, you have customers who want Salesforce, they sign, they get this huge bill Yep, and now they have to implement it. Um, and then you go a consulting company and says, "Hey, we want to do agile. I, I don't know what's going to cost, but um, yeah, that's how we do it." And so I think for some companies, it's that's that balance where a quick start or some kind of fixed fee project. Well, I could. I don't know if you were saying that you can't do a quick start agile, but I could totally sell a five thousand dollar quick start using an agile process. Not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. I see your point. But a lot, a lot of people think you can't. You can't do that as Agile, and I completely disagree, and I think I could do a good job of selling that. But right, it, go, it, Everyone go to Jeremy for Agile Quick Starts. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get into sales it's here. open for business. Right. <laughs> no, but, and the other problem is, you know, these, these like you said, these, these new Salesforce customers, they get, you know, they, got, they get the bill for their license. They've already bought their licenses because, yeah. you know, Salesforce requires you not only to buy licenses, but basically to buy them all up front. You can't, you can't say, well, we're going to be in like implementation phase for like a couple of months. So just give us three licenses and then we'll let you, we'll, 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 we'll get into setup and we'll just bump our licenses up to uh, 50 or whatever it is once we're done. Right. Oh, oh, wait a minute. You can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> no. You have to have a meeting and probably send some faxes and go out to dinner and you have to pre- Commit to some number of licenses that you're going to use over the next year. You, but, you, you but can't that's scale. Sales 101, isn't even it? though this is cloud, it's not really cloud. You can't scale up and down. Sure, you can you can commit to more licenses, but you can't like be like you can't say, well, this you know this month we're only going to need ten, and in two months we'll we'll ramp up to hundred. Nope, not going to do it. They're going to want to bill you for all hundred licenses for every month. Well, they got to get so that anyway, deferred revenue number. Exactly, going. I know. <laughs> So so yeah so they get the, then they've got the, the the big Salesforce bill that they probably already paid, <clears throat> and now they've been told that uh, well gosh you know you can't implement this yourself that'd, that'd be foolish you've got to hire a consultant and they're like okay crap so and the consultant's like well yeah we charge three hundred bucks an hour so this is going to be expensive and they're like well geez what can I get for like five grand well we've got a quick start we'll do a quick start for you sure we'll take your five grand and do a quick start and everyone knows that there's really no project that's like less than twenty grand. A five grand, here's what happens with quick starts. They spend the five grand, and, and this is, I say five grand, because isn't that the price that everyone charges for quick starts? Or maybe, I, I don't know. I, that's what, what I've always seen. So they do, the, they do the quick start project, and at the end of it it, it, it either just crashed and burned, and the company's actually not going to use Salesforce. They're not going to use it. 
It just never got off the ground. Or it went okay, but there's still a ton more that needs to be done, and so it ends up with all these follow-on projects, and you end up at 20 grand. It's like... Well, I mean, but that's what but partners if, but hope if, for, right? That's but if, why you offer the quick start service, because... And if you had honest salespeople, they would, they would say, they would tell the client, listen... So it's going to cost you twenty grand to get set up. It just it, that's about what it's going to cost based on what you want to do. We can we can start with a five thousand dollar project. We can you, let's call it a quick start. Call it whatever you want, but it's not going to get you there. It's going to be less than the minimum. Yeah, but that, uh, a Salesforce AE would never go there. <clears throat> well, Salesforce AE is their, going, their only job the, the, is to sell the license. Uh, exactly. I mean, once <clears throat> they get the license, you're it's it's it's. it's partner sales team's time to, to and, try to sell you either a quick start or a 20, 20 grand uh, project. And, and theoretically, it's in, in the AE's interest to for you to have a successful implementation, right? Yes. To, to you know, to not have a, a consulting partner scare you away with a big number and whatever, right? right? <clears throat> but, but also to get you a good implementation so that you'll renew, right? But the problem with that theory is that Salesforce's churn is so bad, so high, that that salesperson's not even going to be there the next next year. <laughs> Especially on the small and medium business side, those guys just churn and burn, man. Yeah, I have I have noticed for a fair amount, but I, I there are some names that do stick around, and and you can develop some some pretty good relationships. But that that is a good point. I mean, once they sell it, you know they they don't want to just hand it off to just anybody. They want to know they can hand it off to someone who's going to continue the relationship and and make something of this, make it successful. And hopefully turn a you know five thousand dollar quick start into something more long term. And also, how many whoever's selling this quick start? I mean, how much time can they afford to spend with this company to really determine if a quick start is good enough or, or what needs to be in their well, implementation? The, that's the thing about quick starts, and that's the thing about quick starts it's, versus it's, consulting because you basically a lot of these a lot of these quick starts, at least the ones that I've seen, they 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 give you like a handful of objects, they give you a handful of things you can figure. They say like. And this is just made up at the top. Not of my head. even knowing what you need, though. No, but yeah, it's like here's this, what here's you, what you you'll can get, get. Like ten configured objects, <laughs> yeah. you can get up to ten workflows, you can get up to ten emails. Yeah. It, it's it's things like that. Right. You know, there's some kind of number wrapped around it to try to protect the other side of the equation, right. which is yes, it's a fixed bid. You can't have the world for this fixed bid. Yeah. And also, you know, the, <laughs> it's like okay, you can have five templates. Well, what is a temp? What is a template? I mean, I've seen some templates that are one sentence. <clears throat> and I've seen really complex templates that are, you know, super long. That's why, you know, it, I don't know. You well, I think people use their judgment because, I mean, if you, if you try to take something that really should be two templates, but you try to squeeze everything into yeah. one gigantic one, it's it's one half of the other. Maybe that's not a great example, but have you ever, have, have you ever had someone say, yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to need a visual force page. What, what's, what's that going to cost me? Well, I mean, I've had visual, page, visual force pages that I worked on for a single page that I worked on for six months. And I've had some that I took me 30 minutes. I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. There's, there's no such thing as a visual force page. 150 bucks, I'll give you a Hello World page. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Fiverr. That's what, yeah, Fiverr. I'll give you yeah. a Hello World page. I don't know. Fiverr. I, I guess uh, quick starts are just a tool. They're, they're a tool to get someone down the road a little bit, hopefully get them up and running, you know, not being too hobbled by such a limited implementation, but it just doesn't get you that much. Yeah. At least once I've seen it's a crazy world in consulting. So that was your follow up. That you, well, you you obviously got your hand slapped here because you're having to you're having to walk back here. <laughs> I'm not really got my hand slapped. I I just feel like I needed to clarify because I do felt I do feel like I was speaking in way too general terms. <laughs> yeah. But having said that, it, it, it's consulting. We're all dealing with different customers. Are the companies that we work with or work for? You know, they have their own kind of um, not agenda, but process or culture. 
on how they do things and, and how they organize the project and, and whether or not you are in a position where you can consult or whether or not you're just expected just to be the guy that does point and click or yeah. clickety-clack on the keyboard to, to write some code. You know, the, certain roles are kind of divided that way. So I, I felt like I, when I said consulting and I said all these things about, you know, be a consultant that, you know, it was too general because it was ignoring the fact that the way people are structured and positioned in projects does affect who they can con talk to, who they do have access to, and what role they can play in, say, a consulting, in consulting. Yeah, but on a quick start, there's usually just a role. It's not that complicated. Yeah, those are two different simple. conversations, yeah. though. Okay. The first conversation was just my generalizations on consulting. The other one is I felt I slighted quick starts when I didn't mean to, because they do kind of serve a purpose. They they have a role. There's a lot of debate on whether or not they're valuable or not, or whether or not, you know... I, well, I think the debate is whether or not they're uh, they're honest. Whether Yeah, whether they're honest or effective long-term, but I, I think we kind of ex explain that, you know, that they're, they're, they're not. <laughs> it's a way to get it up and running. Yeah. I think the answer is to... Sell, 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 and hit your numbers. No, that, that's how we all uh, eat, right? If someone's selling this stuff. Yeah, we all eat by rolling trucks, man. I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't think I've, when's the last time you did a, you worked on a quick start? I mean, there'd be no reason for us to, right? We don't even do that kind of work. Yeah, most quick starts don't, don't include any kind of automation or development or things like that, so. Yeah. So what do I know? All right. Um, well, you and I talked about, I thought this would be a good podcast topic. Um, a couple of days ago, test setup that involves futures. Right. So let's say that, oh, uh, you have a trigger on account, right? And let's say that, I'm just making stuff up here. Uh, you, uh, when you create an account, you have a trigger that creates a default contact for it, attaches it to the account, right? <clears throat> but that, let's say that has to happen in a, that creating that contact has to happen in the future for some reason. Let's say there's a legitimate reason. And then this contrived scenario, there's really not one. But there are some triggers have to happen in futures. Let's say that they create a user, for example. That had to, that had to be in a future because it's got to be in a different context because of the mixed mode, whatever thing, right? Right. And so you, uh, you, you know, in your test setup, you create your account uh, and then... Then, it, then your test executes, right? Well, because in your test setup, it fired off a future to create this user or whatever it creates. When your test runs, it's not there. It's not there yet is the problem. Right. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. That future hasn't happened yet. Back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's down an alternate timeline. Yeah, and so your test fails because your user's not there that you expected to be created. And then you, your, your thing that you said to me was, well, um, just do the, aren't you doing your start test and stop test? Right. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, but I need, I need to use my start test and stop test for, to exercise the actual, you know, unit under test. Because maybe that thing like kicks off a batch job or something. Mm -hmm. So I almost need like two of these, because for people who don't know, like the start test and stop test, amongst other things, one thing that it does is it kind of just flattens, well, it makes sure all asynchronous jobs finish. So whether it's a future or a batch job or whatever, it compresses them down and makes sure they all complete before you leave that stop test call. Right. Right. But I really, in this scenario, I would need like two of those because my test setup needs, I need to make sure that finishes. But then when I execute my system under test, I need to make sure that thing finishes too. I'm like, there's just no way to do this. That's funny right. because I remember a conversation we had. Like the bottom line is, you can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> but I remember a conversation we had maybe a month ago where I said, I think we need the ability to, or 
there was some questions or something, but there was something to, uh, to the lines of we need to be able to run start and test multiple times in a test. That that would be a for feature that, for that reason. You mean? Well, no, I, it was for other reasons because I, I think I wanted to run. Well, what else does that do? It it resets uh, limit counters, like counters for things, right? It does. And yeah. the example I gave was I wanted to be able to run within a single test method multiple scenarios because it was a chain of events, a sequence of events, and I wanted to test each one individually. And you kind of gave me the feedback. Well, that's the wrong way to use a test. Yeah. But I think we finally found an example where start and test would be beneficial in order to run more than once. Because I think at that time we kind of ruled it out saying I was doing it wrong. But this might be a use case or a valid example of why you need start and test more than once. Or at least some kind of mechanism to say run this future outside of this test context. Well, I I think the right answer to this is this this is one reason why it's it's actually a good idea to, through whatever mechanism you want to do it, have all your triggers, have them the ability to be easily all disabled. Because then what you can do is you can essentially kind of like, you're basically kind of bulk loading your data through the back door, turn all your triggers off, right? And then you can, what you can do then, and in my scenario is like, you can create your account, but you turn the trigger off so it doesn't create the user for you asynchronously. God, you'd have to. You'd oh, have to crap. be. A... Wait a minute. No, you couldn't. You still couldn't do that because yeah. I was, what I was going to say is, don't wait for the trigger to run and do it in the future. Like you could just do it yourself in the setup. But the problem is, is you can't do. You can't create that user because you would hit mixed mode DML. Oh, wait a minute. No, you could. Okay. You could. You could do the system run as. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, you could do this if you had the ability to turn all your triggers off. But you'd have to be a a, a fortune teller to know, unless you just by default say I'm building in this mechanism to turn everything off. Well, that's why, I mean, I think like one one uh, feature of a good trigger framework is basically the ability to just easily turn, you know, disable all of the triggers. Man. See, it's it's things like that that, that make me think, that yeah, you're really right. That can really come in useful, man. It could come in useful, but then, then there are Never for where... production. Like, you would not do that in production, I don't think. Because then you get you get undefined behavior, like your stuff's going to stop working. You're going to get inconsistent data and everything. It's really right. something for like, some of these things are just to enable tests or enable to like this, you know, kind of bulk loading of data, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you could just start sprinkling little, you know, static variables around your code that says, you know, if if it's in this context, don't run. Yeah, I just I wouldn't want an easy way to do that, uh, like in one place. Like you can set one thing and that that like I don't know somehow turn disables all your triggers. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have to go to like each trigger and like you know say it's disabled or whatever. It still seems like such a heavy end. I mean, it, it's it's an idea and it, it is a, a valid approach, but it just seems so heavy handed to just say I'm turning off all triggers because it's the only way I can get my stuff tested. Is it heavy handed or is it just very effective? It's just for the test setup. It's just to get data into the system. That's, oh, well, that's all the it's problem for. is we can't set up. There are situations in Salesforce where we can't set up the data. We can't mock it up. We can't set up the data so that we can just test this one piece that updates something. Well, that's what this type of thing would help you do, though. At least it, for for some scenarios, it would let you get data in the system without without your triggers running, which is what you need to be able to do. I mean, another reason why that's really useful is in order to set, in order to get all your data set up for some tests, like I've got a client, uh, this happened a couple of months ago where, you know, we had a test and in order for this test to run, because again, 
And these are all integration tests. They're not, they're functional tests. They're not unit tests, right? So mm-hmm. I got to have accounts in there. I got to have the opportunities in there. I got to have the contacts and the contracts and all these custom objects. I have, I have to have this whole web of things in there for this test to even, for the, for the code that runs to make any sense. Well, in the normal usage of Salesforce, like you wouldn't, you know, you would create an account. Someone would create the account. This And this would happen over time. Then contacts would be created and, you know, you'd create your opportunities over time. And once you sold the deal, then you'd probably have a contract with that, with that customer, so you create a contract record, right? But in tests, you've got to do that all in one shot, all in one transaction. So all those triggers that would normally be happening over the course of days and months, right, have to, have to happen all at once. Well, you're very likely to hit limits at that point. Yeah. Just trying to get your data in. Well, and and that, so that would be another great example of if you could just disable all triggers and just r- r- basically do a kind of a raw insert, just get all the data. You could, you could fine-tune, get the, all the data in however you want with no triggers running. And then you can run your test without hitting limits. But that, that still could be dangerous. I mean, what if you have something running in a before context that defaults some required value or sets some required value? And because you disabled all triggers, that's now. No, it's off. your job to, yeah, you're putting in raw data. You got to get it, you need to put in raw data that makes sense. I'm saying after the fact. Meaning your test, your test passed or it's already in production. Now someone creates a whole new trigger that, that runs in a before context and it defaults some new field that's that's required. So now all of a sudden your test doesn't. Well, that, that, that just that. gets to other practices like having a some kind of mocking framework or test data generation uh, framework or, or utilities or you know some kind of facility to 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 do that kind of thing. So in and, other words, and, yeah, kind of going back to to my rec- or what we were talking about the other last episode about you know I think it was last episode. But about not relying on triggers to test your code, right? That your your code should be tested, but not relying on the trigger event. Yeah, in order to validate. And to my answer, to that is there are some cases where yeah, you can you don't have to do. You can basically just instantiate in memory uh, and some s object, and pass it right into your class that does that would that is the same thing that the trigger would call. Right. You never have to insert it. Well, that works for some things, particularly the before, all the before stuff. Yeah. A lot of things like, you know, they, they just, they have to run as a part of the trigger, particularly afters. And I think probably deletes and certain things, like you just, it's got to go through this whole mess of triggers. Uh, okay. Anything else on that? No. We also talked about bulk tests. And that, that was basically for your triggers. You know, obviously, you know, you 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 might you might test a scenario where like you're inserting one record, and you might in any you know you might test a scenario where like um, you might test a negative scenario, like you might insert a couple of records. One of them the trigger should affect, one of them that it shouldn't affect, right. and just make sure it doesn't affect that one that it shouldn't affect, right? But do you get to go step beyond that and make sure that this stuff is still going to work when you throw two hundred records at it? This is I, what this, I, this is not what we kind of talked about. Yeah, it, okay. it is. It is, and. My answer to that is no. I don't. I don't do bulk testing anymore. I used to, I, and and there for certain situations where I know there might, there is going to be some kind of heavy load, like through some integration, I might. But I'll usually have some kind of variable that determines how many records I'm going to test, and I'll, I'll test it in my test environment with 200, and then I'll drop it down to, I don't know, one or two or so, or maybe ten or something before it goes to production. I have to remember to do that. Yep. But, but that's what I'll try to do, mainly because it just takes too long to run tests. There, in fact, what brought this subject up was um, I was deploying something, and it, it, it takes hours. Right. And it sits on something called action plans. For any of you out there who installed that action plan labs product, I am so sorry. 
You guys are using that thing because it's a turd. Now, is it doing? Why is it so slow? Because it has bulk tests in it. Oh, why? And, and we have so much automation built on all these different things, including activities, that when it does its bulk testing, it's firing so much stuff, yeah. and so it's taking it forever to get through these tests because it has bulk tests. So it just it just doesn't scale well to do that testing. Ideally, and and theoretically, you should be doing it. It would be a great way to validate your system can handle, you know, multiple records <laughs> or even the two hundred that that you're gonna get and. If you add something that, that kind of pushes you beyond the limit of being able to process 200 records in a batch, this would help you discover that. But long-term, at least in terms of scaling, or at least you know whoever, whoever's doing your de deployments, whether it's a de deployment team or your developer or even your automated tools, they're all going to have to sit there for an hour or so, depending on how much code you have to run. Right. Yeah, I mean... Uh... A lot of the products I work on, I mean, the uh, deployment takes, it takes a couple of hours for tests to run. And if we did bulk testing on everything, I mean, that would be, oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be, I don't know, five hours? It'd be so much longer. It would. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of, I guess, maybe having a variable that's like, okay, try it with 200. But then that, I feel like you can kind of statically, you can, you can run that test, make sure it's all good. And if it is, then just disable that test. You don't need that test to run every time you deploy to production, I guess is my point. Yeah, and I guess you could drop that down to zero, and it just wouldn't run. Yeah. Yep. Um, did you know that in just more more test stuff here? I don't know why I've got that's all. That's one of the topics I've got is just test stuff. <laughs> I guess I've been testing some code. Um, I did not. I don't know if I didn't realize this or what, but um, tests let you set mod, uh, audit fields. I was testing something. I needed a test that a trigger would delete, or a, I think it was a batch job would delete records after they were of a certain age. Uh -huh. I was like, well, crap, how am I going to get records in here that were created six months ago? Well, the answer is just set the created date. Do you know that? I didn't think that they was just possible. Just let me set the create date. Well, th there is a, there is a, um, you can turn um, audit fields on. This was, I didn't turn anything on. And someone else didn't turn it on accidentally? No, no, never. Huh. So I think, yeah, I think test just let you, at least that one, at least create a date. I'm assuming it might let you um, set other things too, but... I've yeah. never tried that. That's good to know, because I, I do... I don't know how I would have tested this without that. I do Because have... you can't mock out the system time in Salesforce, can you? Mock out the system time? Yeah, like provide a, like, say, for example, like, say, for, for this test, pretend that the year is, or the date is a year from now. You know what I mean? You can't really. Oh, like the current date. Yeah, yeah. So the only, then the only ways I need to I need to have this record have a created date of six months ago. Well, how do you do that? Right. And the answer is you just set the created date and it works. <laughs> That's good to know. I'll have to know yeah. that because I do have plenty of things that do rely on that. Right. And I'm not. I think I just kind of get around it. I think what I do is I create an order. Well, most of them are based on order. They're they're more based on order of creation. Like what's the most recent modified one, or what's the most recent created one, and so then you just have to create your things in a certain order and then put it in that way. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so the other things I have is just, um, I can actually, I saw I've got, got some clips from the, this, you know, fiscal 18 kickoff. And then, um, well, would you, did you watch that? I did. Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's interesting. It was quite a bit different than last year's. So this year was a small room. They didn't have Metallica. There was no. But they did yeah. have um, someone singing Ohana, which I enjoyed much better than Metallica. Actually, he was actually pretty good. He was very good. I liked him. Yeah, yeah. he had some guitar skills. He did. 
That was good. Um, yeah, small room. It was in uh, one of their buildings that's next to the, the Salesforce Tower that's being built in San Francisco there. So, of course, they had that backdrop and had to, had to talk about that. They also had to take some digs at the, I guess there's, um, what's the other tower? The Millennium Tower that Salesforce is now going to be taller than that one. Is and it, I was going to ask, is that the, like the current had, tallest? Yes, and they've had this pissing contest going. <laughs> Because Salesforce, Mark Benioff just loves to get in pissing contests. And he got in a pissing contest with whoever owns this other building. And now it's it's, it's happening some kind of problem where like it's actually, I think, leaning to some slight degree or whatever. And the, so now the they're just... The pouring of the Salesforce Foundation affected their foundation. I don't now know, it's maybe leaning. so. It's like weighing them down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when someone sits down on the teeter-totter with you that's like bigger than you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <gotta> just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But <laughs> I hope not. What's going to happen when all those people move in? But I, but I noticed the um, they they kind of up their the AV game here. The, um, they had like they had a, a camera on a boom, and it was like one of the what do they call it when the boom kind of pans you know slides around the room and everything. Yeah, I know there's a word for that, yeah. but I know what you're talking about. And they had the 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 serious you know they had the the, the lenses you know vaselined up really nicely. <laughs> like the one that was kind of the one that was the tight shot on this on like on Benioff. Like uh-huh. it was you know he looked all glowing and. And fuzzy, like you know, made him look ten years younger. I just thought that was the light coming from from the background. It could have been. I mean, they were in a corner window space. It, right. it seemed like a very small, like they carved off this small corner for that. Well, those weird. buildings are not big. You know that, right? I mean, they're they're tall. It's going to be a, a tall building, but it's not. The, each floor is not. It's you know, I don't know. I'm guessing is. Well, that wasn't in the. That was in. That was across in the tower, right? Yeah, true. But I'm just saying those those a lot of those downtown oh, okay. buildings. They just yeah. they don't have. Each floor doesn't have a you know. It's not like each floor has 30,000 square feet. They're just like, they don't know, it's small. But. Well, you can bet the tower will have some some bigger spaces. But also, it started off with this, and I didn't, I'm not going to play because it's boring, but it like this vignette, like this pre-produced, this package that was, it was really like a political motivational ad. And I guess it's, I guess that's, I don't know, par for the course for Salesforce. They've always got to have one of these things, but it's, you know, they're really well done. And, you know, they put a lot of money into these, into these packages, what do you mean pre- by packages? These pre-produced, like, motivational, promotional videos. You know what I'm talking about? Or they have, like, some uh, the camera focused with some neutral background and they're talking? Or No, no, it's, the, pre- the, it's a pre-produced thing. The, the kind of pre-produced commercial with that shows, like... It's, yeah, it's like a four-minute, four or five-minute commercial, basically. Yeah, okay, I know. Really about. fancy, well done, you know. No. It'll get played over and over yeah, at every conference. <laughs> but anyway, okay, well, let me... Uh, let me find my clips. All right, so a lot of this was... Actually, I didn't even start clipping anything until um, Richard Socher, Benioff's, you know, man crush. Uh, oh, was yeah. it was got on the, But, you know, Coke was there, Coca-Cola, and they were, the, they were like the featured client. And so... They're yeah. always the featured client. What they had... At Dreamforce, they had the drone that brought a Coke in. Um, they had the vending machines that was using... Um, what was it using? IoT, I think. Some kind of yeah. IoT no, yeah, Coke's. vending machine. Thing. Well, I mean, Coke is, um, you know, they're just the biggest, such a big brand. It's it's a great, you know, you know Salesforce. They're is extremely concerned with logos, right? It's, it's logos. Oh, yeah, because they all started off with that award that I have. I don't know what it means, but some award that they got, and they were listed with you know Coke and everyone else. They yeah. had all the logos. So I think I think Coke's just a great logo. So I mean, even though like as you'll see from this, like. This, this is it's just a lot of smoke and mirrors. I think. So, are you a Coke or Pepsi man? Oh, I'm gonna take the fifth on that one. <laughs> All right, here we go. First thing we notice is cooler purity, hundred percent. That's great. So I guess I should do more setup here. So this is this is that demo 
And this, this is actually, I don't know, I feel like Benioff really uh, goes back to the well on these stories over and over and over. But this is that, it's got to be the same story that he told in the earnings call. That was my thought. And so they've got, I've got to set the scene here, I guess. They've got a, a like a little cooler, like a four foot tall Coca-Cola branded cooler. Yeah, it's something you'd see like at a gas station or something, like yeah, right there, like yeah. by the register. It, yeah, exactly. Or the, or the checkout at the grocery store. Yeah, right, thing. exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's got this iPad with an app, a completely custom app. This is not something like, you're not going to, when your company gets Einstein, you're not going to get this app. <laughs> but the app, the, the iPad, the, the tablet itself, I don't want to say it was an iPad, but the tablet itself was nothing more than a prop. Did you notice that? That it didn't match what was being shown on screen. No, the whole thing was smoke and mirrors. That's what's kind of irritating about this. I mean, anyway, so that's, so that, so that's what Richard's doing. He's up there. He's got this app running. He's, he's taking a photo of, of the, of the cooler with the product in it. And now the cooler, the, 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 this Einstein app they built is analyzing, you know, what, you know, what trucks they need to roll. Basically we're rolling trucks again, John. Yeah. Roll them out. <laughs> First thing we notice is cooler purity, hundred percent. That's great. Coca-Cola does not want to see non-Coca-Cola products in a Coca-Cola. Now the weird thing about this, a like cooler purity, is yeah. that what he's called it? So yep. I, I'm, I mean, it's a Coca-Cola branded thing and it's the Coca-Cola delivery driver that that puts stuff in here. So I don't know how it would get us a but what what's weird was I, I saw they they showed <clears throat> I could see the iPad. And it had it identified, you know, which was Coke, which was Diet Coke, <clears throat> the quantities and all that. But one of them was just like others, like this catch all. I, I think it didn't it didn't identify what the products were. Mm. I'm like, well how do you know it was 100% purity then if you don't know what that other stuff was? Because he could see that it was 100% pure. I don't, I don't know why he needed the app to tell him that. Well, that is that is the overriding question for all of this. It's And I'll, I'll get into that I mean, it's, in it's a valid scenario. If, if you are if you walk up to a guest like 7-Eleven, you go to the cooler, and you have your Coca-Cola section, you want to see nothing but Coca-Cola products. Now, customers sometimes pick something and go, oh, I don't want that. Let me. I want that Coke instead. So they'll grab the Coke and they'll put that bottle back. And yeah, so now you've got... In the wrong place. You've got a, what's a non-Coke product? A Pepsi in with the Coke. I think they're talking more about like the retailer has decided they're going to you know, re- requisition or, or uh, overtake some of your your, your Coca-Cola space. It, it, for it's something rare else. that that happens because the retailer is on the hook for making sure that space is there because, little known fact, the companies pay for that space. So, and 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 this is great because I know you've got you've got some experience with yeah. retail and merchandising. So this this is this is good. And because I, I also consulted with someone who's an expert in this. So let me let me get through this clip though. Cooler. <laughs> so Barry's happy. He has a big smile. All right now. We noticed also that there's no Coca-Cola life left in this case. Okay, this is my second. This, this is just going to be a bunch of Ask Johns. What is Coca-Cola life? <laughs> I have no idea. Have you heard is of that their new, like, like Coke Zero thing or something? Or? I don't know. We already have Coke Zero, so I don't know. I've never heard of this, and I, I didn't see it in the... I don't know. Maybe I just missed it, but I didn't, I didn't see it in the it video. It sounds like something I, I've heard about. Yeah, it's in a green can, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Life. Okay. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's like their Coke Zero, but it's with like stevia, stevia or stevia. Oh, stevia. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of stevia. I know it's natural, but it's got a bitterness to it. Oh, it's got regular Coke. It's got oh, so it's a mix. It's a blend of cane sugar and stevia. Apparently, <laughs> I I I remember seeing some ad for this. It was a green can. Of, it was weird, and yeah. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I at least I got one of my questions answered. There you go. So we actually know from correlating this with demographic data and other things that that would actually sell really well. So we added six cases to the next order. And then we also adjusted your normal monthly order based on several other factors, such as March Madness. March Madness, 
great uh, promotional opportunity right now. We're in the middle of March. Basketball fans all around the United States, really excited. Great place for Coca-Cola to do promotion. So this looks all pretty good. So I say thanks, and I can confirm my order. And that's it. In a few clicks, I could have this order completely automated and don't have to think about it too much. And I can rely on Einstein and Salesforce AI to make the right kinds of decisions for my business. By the way, I, th I think one thing I've, another thing I learned from this is how to correctly pronounce Einstein. How? It's Einstein. 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 That's you have to say it like, kind of like you're angry too. I'm still going to say Einstein. <clears throat> but, so, okay, the, the, the thing that, I don't know, it really struck me about this is, well, first of all, like, he's talking about, oh, we can, we can take demographic data and correlate it to figure out what we need to stock this fridge with. I'm like, dude, you're looking at the cooler. You don't need demographic data to know. Like, well, well, that's true. But but here here here's the underlying here's the underlying message. The guy who used to walk up and, and take a picture of that and make sure everything was stocked right, his job is gone now because all they have to do is set up a camera looking at that that shelf. Okay, so I, I and now that that guy's I'm job gonna, is gone. Okay, I'm going to get into this because this is ridiculous. You don't need demographic data. You're looking right at the cooler. You you know what has sold, right? This is this is a problem like the, with these uh, you know head in the sky scientists like they I mean I'm sure this Richard guy is extremely smart right but like when it comes down to like practical like common sense stuff it's like dude you, you don't need some fancy machine learning algorithm for this you're looking at the cooler and by the way you can't talk about this without getting into how like these CPG which what does that stand for consumer product what is CPG I have no clue um, CPG. Consumer packaged goods, yes. And you're going to start hearing more about this. But anyway, yeah, it's a CPG. It's just these giant, um, you know, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson. <clears throat> who does Lay's? Pepsi? Pepsi. Frito-Lay. Yeah, Frito Pepsi, PepsiCo. Yeah, yeah. So the parent company. Um, and particularly what's called DSD, which is direct store delivery or direct store distribution, one of those two. So you've, you've, you're familiar with grocery stores. <clears throat> you know how this works. Whether it's, there are certain types of products, um, sodas, uh, chips, bread, where the vendor comes in mm -hmm. and they've already rolled a truck. Yep. Like the dude that delivers the stuff is also the guy that know that's looking at the shelf, that knows what's being, what's selling. And he simply pulls from the truck. Like if the, if Coca-Cola life is low, then he's got it on his dolly, and he scans another case of Coca-Cola Live and puts the cans into, onto the shelf. Right. Okay, so you don't need someone to come ahead of time and take photos because the, the guy who's driving the truck, he's the DSD guy. Like, that's his job. And he's, someone still is going to have to bring those, do that. Mm -hmm. Like, why, why have we separated rolling trucks from looking at the inventory? We, we've now actually made this more complicated. We've now, what used to be to only take one person, now takes two people. Well, there are, there are certain products in certain industries where you, there's not that much of a high touch. There's not that much of a, of a high turnaround. Like when we talk about food and things like that, that does because things expire and so you have to constantly rotate that inventory. But there are things that like non-perishables and stuff that you don't do that very often with. So no, someone does and, go around. And those aren't and those generally it. aren't going to be DSD either. Those are like a, a, a grocery distributor distributes those. It's not distributed right. directly by the company. But like all but the... More, <clears throat> I was going to say, but more specifically, I think when it comes to 
running campaigns and in trying to get out in front of a campaign for some kind of event or some kind of major event that's happening that's going to that potentially could increase the the buyership of your product. Exactly. Um, you know, but these the Coke guys and the Frito Lay guys, these guys all know about they know about the promotions. They know about March Madness. They know about the Super Bowl. They know all these things. Yeah, none, it's none all already built in, and it's in right. And the and the and the DSD guy, the guy that drives a truck and has this route that he does every day. These are smart people. They know about all that stuff. They know their customers very well. They know what sells where. They don't need you to correlate demographic data. My point is, this whole use case is it. It could potentially be a, a cool uh, demonstration of AI, but the problem is the whole use case is unrealistic. It's. It's a bad, it's just a bad use case. Like, and I, this is where something where I feel like Salesforce is still struggling to explain the use cases of, a, of AI. Well, I, I think it's because of the, the, who they chose to do it. They chose someone big like Coca-Cola who has resources and already has this nailed down like, to a science. Exactly. They should have picked someone who is small, midsize, who's struggling to, to compete with Coca-Cola and show how they were able to get, use this technology and make them competitive with co- with Coca Cola. Right. That would have been a much more applicable and and well received message, I think, than someone big who's doing who's already doing this stuff already, and now has just added this whole new layer to it. Yeah. And the other thing that's real unrealistic about this is that you know Salesforce built this custom app, and now whether what I don't know is whether this app is actually if if it's completely smoke and mirrors fake or if it actually is doing stuff. <laughs> I think it's actually let's, doing stuff. I mean, there's say, plenty of demo demo applications. Let's say it is. Let's say it actually is. Okay. It is real time incorporating demographic data. All right. Now, where that data comes from, I don't know. Where's that? I mean, it's coming from your Salesforce, from Coca Cola's. I doubt they have that in their cell. But anyway, let's. I, I, we have to give them all these assumptions, right? The thing is, is that Salesforce put a probably a million dollar team of people on this project for free for Coke, and Coke has the biggest budget, literally, in the world to do this kind of stuff. How does this apply to the ninety nine percent? It doesn't. It doesn't. That's my problem with this use case. And again, I, I I know Richard's a smart guy, and I know Salesforce has a bunch of smart AI people, and I do think they will eventually um, figure out how to sell this and and figure out how to, you know, what what Salesforce would say, democratize AI. They will figure that out. Yeah, they're just obviously still struggling because these these not only does it, do these use cases not make sense, but they are unattainable. They're they're unobtainium. <laughs> but that's kind of been true of all their kind of really high-tech virtual reality, I'll call them demos. I mean, you remember the guys with the server blades at Dreamforce and they had this augmented I have Cisco. reality. Yeah. They had like three yeah, guys. What happened to that? Three guys changing a blade on I'm like, just just pull it out <laughs> uh, and put it in. Uh, no, you don't need to take a picture no. and have it show you how to put it in. You should know how to do that no, already. We, You're we've, certified. We've let the scientists we, we we've let the scientists take over the the the, the the job the show here yeah and they they've made what used to be something super simple they made it really really <laughs> they've nerded it up that's one that's one of my phrases they've nerded it up to and it's not practical it doesn't make any sense it's not going to solve any business problems it's just gonna it's gonna be a big waste of time and money and the other thing is hey what happened to the whether it's a coke cooler or your refrigerator that was gonna be able to order for you know automatically you know what like fridges that were going to be able to, they could detect when you were out of milk and would order your milk for you. What happened to that? Have we regressed to, now it takes a person that could just, to have to go to the store and take a photo of the thing? Well, I mean, that's the natu- next, okay, so the, I think that's a natural progression. So you first have someone who goes in and takes a picture and has that manual intervention. And then if that goes smoothly and well enough and you feel like your technology has zero errors, then you can just stick a camera in front of it and there you go. 
but person, if, <laughs> job's gone. But if you're going to send someone there to take a photo of your Coke cooler to see what's low, you have a human right at the cooler looking at it that can see what's low. It's just documentation. <laughs> and his truck's right there. It's documentation. But they scan everything they put on the shelf. I know. This, these, we already have inventory. This is already it, all soft. We already have inventory. It's this fun is, to open up an opportunity record or something and see a nice little picture and go, that's cool. Yeah. There's a picture with my record. All right. Well, I've, <laughs> I'm sure I've overly harped on this, but man, what a, what a, what a, what a lost opportunity to, to show it, it, it a, was a, a useful use case. Because the value of this technology, the, the quote-unquote democratization of AI, isn't about getting the bigger guys more tools to do things they already do. It's about getting some of these smaller guys who can't compete with the larger guys and helping them compete, in my yeah, opinion. Right. If you we, if we really want to talk about how technology is going to help give, you know, kind of level the playing field or, or you know, kind of allow people to kind of compete in ways that they couldn't before because they don't have, they're not a big conglomerate like Coke or whoever. But even when they pick one of these big ones, Coke, Cisco, whatever, the, the use cases are silly. That bl replacing a blade, that the whole thing was silly. It, it was a stretch. This thing of of someone walking up and taking a photo and on their I, that, and not just like just stalking the things all, while they're there, that's just silly. Coke's not Coke's never going to do that. They're not going to send a single person out to take a photo of the cooler. They're, what they're going to do is what they're already doing, which is. If you're going to send someone to the store where the cooler is, they're going to have a dolly with them. They're going to stock it right then and there. True, but some of it is documentation. So I will say this. that They've already got documentation. They, John, they have a little thing. They scan. No, no, no. They scan it as they put it on the shelf. That is documentation. <laughs> it creates orders and in, in bills of whatever right there. Yeah, but and, and this, 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 this isn't in any way trying to validate that scenario, but companies like Coca-Cola and Microsoft and all those they don't always do the merchandising themselves. Sometimes they have an outside company that does audits. So they'll they'll hire a company who goes out and audits that a store it has their stuff facing the right way, that it's on the right shelf that and and you do take pictures and you do document that. that. That's a kind of a quality control thing and they do right. do that, but that's that person's never the person that's like driving the truck and stocking things. Right, exactly. But that's that other <laughs> person. That could be that other person in that scenario that uh, and again, I'm not well, trying to validate. That would have been a better that would have been a more realistic use case actually. It, it probably would have been. Yeah. But then you wouldn't get you wouldn't get to roll trucks, man. I know. I love rolling trucks. I love rolling trucks too. Let's roll them. Speaking of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how to get that in? Okay. Now I see in my uh, email here that the order is estimated to be delivered only on March 13th. But my so again, so instead of, instead of the guy just walking with his dolly and stocking things, we've sent another a, a second human being in to take photos of everything, and now we've. Now the system has placed orders, right? Mm -hmm. But now we're waiting for trucks because we didn't just send the guy with the truck. <laughs> we sent the guy <laughs> without the truck. <laughs> so that anyway, that's where we are. The cooler is already running low. I actually want this order to be much faster. So instead of having to call, I can click here on a little bot signal. And this is the first version of the bot. I actually anticipate a lot of exciting uh, innovation and in we got we got to get bots in here because bots actually I think I feel like bots have already peaked and it's uh, like like bots was like a two month thing I know it was, but it anyway. was definitely a 15 minutes of fame uh, well, for bots they just crashed and burned so, so here's a use case for bots John right. incorporating some of our breakthrough research and deep learning and natural language processing to eventually get into this here we have a simple options uh, in this bot we can look at shipping billing and other kinds of issues this is a clear shipping use case so what he's showing is basically his text conversation with a bot, okay? Okay, so I just type in shipping. It already knows the last order. So he has to type in the word shipping. <clears throat> that I've made 
So yes, I confirmed this was our order from just today, but I want this sooner. Now this triggers our order from just today, but I want this sooner. Now this triggers different shipping options. We can go to express delivery uh, and select that one because we want it as soon as possible in our store. And now we can actually use the bot also to incorporate an upsell opportunity, say, well, if you just add four more cases of Coke Zero, you get free shipping. Of course, who doesn't like free shipping? So we add those Coke Zeros and we're done. So that's weird. Uh, okay. So the whole thing, first of all, the, the, my, over, my, my point of sh this is just to talk about uh, bots in general and if, if, if these bot interfaces are any good. But <clears throat> if you are going to have a bot for your fake new... Um, so how many employees, how many DSD drivers do you think Coke has? Uh, you know, 50,000? Well, now you got to send people out to take photos. So now you've you know, you got to hire 50,000 more people, right? So you've just doubled your payroll. Um, and and this the, the, this person just took a photo. They put the order in, and now they want to. They're gonna have to communicate with this bot because they want to expedite the order. So they've got to type shipping, and, got, and they get a text response, and and they're trying to get something done, right? I mean, these guys, mm -hmm. you know, you've seen the work in stores. They're fast. They've got they got to hit so many stores in the day. They yep. are not messing around. Nope. But their bot is now trying to upsell them. Let me ask you, you you've, se you've seen these Coke and these Frito-Lay and these Pepsi guys and the bread guys in these stores. Do you think they have time to wait for some bot to upsell them on stuff every time they, every time they access the bot to get things done? No. That's ridiculous. My, I can't even, my, my UPS driver can't wait but one second for me to scribble my name before he's reaching and grabbing that thing out of his, my hand. These guys that are on a schedule that are driving these trucks, they, they want in and out. They need to make their numbers. They have quotas and, and things that they have to meet. But I, I guess this, I don't know, if, are bots part of Einstein? Is it, you know, Einstein bots, I guess? <clears throat> I don't know, but the, the scenario is weird that a bot, for, I'm an employee and I'm stocking this and I'm telling you that I want to expedite shipping and then a bot is telling me to upsell it's myself? Saying, like, why don't you just, why didn't it just automatically order four more cases? Well, again, and you're, I mean, the thing is, he's the Coke employee. Like, he's not the one to be yeah. upsold. Now, if it was the store owner, and the store right. owner's, like, taking a picture saying, hey, I need some more inventory, and it's doing this, and the bot seems, seems good. The, the bot at that, and the bot in that scenario would, would make more sense. Yeah, but if you, if you, if the, if you provided a bot to your store customers to, to use to do things, and it's always trying to upsell them, you're going to piss off your customers. That's annoying. Well, my, my, upselling is part of sales. I mean, you, that, that's one of the things that made me a horrible yeah. salesperson when I was in sales. Well, I, ne I was too afraid to go for the upsell. Okay. <clears throat> I, I just think that, you know, this this example is is basically nothing but a big regression. I mean, imagine imagine if uh, in order to, like, search your or look through your Amazon order history, instead of just clicking orders and seeing the list and, and whatever, you had to basically uh, communicate with a bot, a chat bot. I mean, this is like this is like a using a command line to edit your photos instead of using Photoshop. I mean, this is a major regression. Why is this considered good or cool or something? It happens a lot with technology, though. Have you noticed? But can you imagine if that was your interface to Amazon? Was a bot. You'd have to type in, show me a list of... Yeah, no. I you know, like cleaning that. products, or you know, it's just, it, this is ridiculous. This is not a good interface. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's got a nice tablet app right there. Why would he need? Why is there a bot? That's the worst interface. And again, again, just the, that whole the whole use case. I feel like, and I don't know who was in the audience. I don't feel like they had press there this time. Maybe they did. You remember last year they had press and they got to ask questions. This year was there was no. I don't think they did. There was a small room. I, I mean, I could only see about a dozen people in that room. 
I think it was purely just customers and a few of the yeah. top level employees. But I mean, I don't know if I think if you had actual customers there in press, I think they'd be, they'd be sitting there going, "I these use cases are don't make a lot of sense." Well, I don't know. I mean, we've we've had a chance to kind of di- I mean, they didn't make sense to me as they were going on, but we've had a chance to kind of digest and we kind of look at things from a critical perspective or a very analytical perspective. I don't know how how best to say that. But I mean, if you notice like a Dreamforce, they'll do these demos and everyone's cheering and everyone's like, ooh, and awing and thinking it's great and everything. And then you have to kind of come down from that hype and you have to come down from the excitement that that's infected from everyone else around you. Oh, remember, remember the I- IoT, how exciting that was? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, tell me, go to, go to, go to Salesforce.com right now. Click, click on the products menu and go to IoT and tell me how to get it or what it is or if it exists. I, mean, I just... Can I do force? <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe... Forward slash IoT? Maybe. I don't know, actually. But it's in their products drop down. Yeah, it's IoT Cloud. But and what, they, what can you do? it's got a picture of Echo on here. <laughs> John, all you can do is fill out a lead gen form, though. I can watch a demo. <clears throat> Contact us. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's... Maybe it is weird. Anyway, okay. Well, let me... I got, I got more clips, so let me just get through these. Vision, it's obvious. Oh, well, Barry, it's a huge vision. It's obviously inspired us, and it's inspired Richard. And I, I remember our conversations as soon as I got out of the meeting. I called Richard and I said, "Gee, I think based on some of the breakthroughs that you've had with Einstein Vision, we might be able to do this incredible inventory analysis for Barry, and then to see it live and working yeah. is really cool." So there's our answer. This whole demo, this use case, this whole thing was based on Mark's misunderstanding of how DSD works. So I think Mark's like, "I've got this great idea." We're going to take photos of Cokes, and it's going to automatically roll trucks, and they're like, okay, make, let's, let's make that happen, guys. And they went out and made it happen. He just, did you hear that? He just said it was his idea. And he's, and he's really happy to see it now, you know, come to fruition. So I think there's your answer. <laughs> anyway, I, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's just unfortunate because it's, the fact that it's a bad use case was a distraction from what might be some pretty cool technology. It's just the demo didn't work. Uh, okay. Well, I'll tell you, now we have Einstein Live for all of our customers around the world. And our, and our dream for this year is that soon we'll have a billion users using uh, Salesforce Einstein. Whether Did you hear that? A billion users using Einstein. For this year is that soon we'll have a billion users using uh, Salesforce Einstein, whether it's on our on our um, uh, email marketing uh, cloud, our marketing cloud, whether it's in our community cloud like we just saw, whether it's uh, in our commerce cloud or in our sales and service clouds. When we add all of those uh, incredible user bases up and seeing the intelligence now start to... So, I mean, you know, in, in this country, in the United States, we have, what, 330, 340 million people or something? I mean, what is he talking about here? How, do you, how are you going to have a billion users of Einstein? He's talking about the world, man. It's going to take over the world. Uh, okay. Well, but, uh, is there a distinction? Well, what is Einstein live? Or did he meant to say we're going live with I, Einstein? I, that that tripped me up too. I think he's just saying that now that we have Einstein live, now that it's actually shipped, it's GA or whatever. It, but I, I, the product I, is live, and this now. is this is typical of of the the sales pitch. It's it's available for everyone. It's GA, I'm, and then you yeah. go to the documentation and you go, it's available for an additional cost. Yeah, and that's one thing that uh, people have kind of been piling on this week about on, on Salesforce about that. I've even seen a couple of you know these uh, uh, tech journalists, I guess you know. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we know about tech journalists. Keep in mind, these aren't real journalists, Richard. They're tech journalists. <laughs> I have seen a couple of these tech journalists also piling on Salesforce for now ch- charging for it, but I don't, I feel like Salesforce never said that all of Einstein was going to be free. 
No, but I mean, I, it, when I, they say Einstein is available for everyone, you can get it today. Available, with, with, available. Yeah, I know. And, you know, and so I, that's like car commercials, like shown, you know, available with the available V8. Well, yeah, it comes with a four-cylinder, four-banger, but, you know, you can upgrade to the V8 <laughs> if you want to. It's just a lot more money. Yeah, starting at, yeah. at $9.99. Yeah. But once you add wheels and an air conditioner, it's it's 30000 exactly. <laughs> Available with wheels. Uh, but to that point, because I knew you were going to bring this up. Uh, so I got this from their documentation. It says, some services and subscriptions include this feature for an extra cost. And I'm talking about Salesforce or Sales Cloud Einstein. For pricing details, contact Salesforce. But here's the other thing that, that's in the notes. Insights display in English only. Yeah, well, you know, languages are hard, John. I'm just saying, if he's going to get a billion people on Einstein, um, they might not, they, they all have to speak English? I don't, I, I don't know what he meant by a billion users on Einstein. I, 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 think, I think maybe what he meant was like, if you consider if people who use Marketing Cloud, like all of the people they're marketing to and tracking, and you know, they've got the creepy journey where they're tracking you through the little process and everything. Yeah. Like everyone who is some way touched or marketed to by all of Salesforce's customers, that he's counting all those, I think. Yeah. That's what he'd have to be. But of course, we're, we're kind of, you know, picking at his words. He could just been generally hey, saying, a million people are going to love this, or a billion, no, no, no. trillion people said, are going to love this. He's, he has said it in other interviews. He's, he's stuck on this. And the thing is, I'm not picking it apart. Like, words matter. He's saying this in multiple venues on camera and to journalists. So I'm not picking at all. I'm just trying to understand what he means by it. It's my job. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got some new terminology here. Now, let's walk a little bit around the... Chris, this is our favorite, our favorite guy, Alex Dayon. 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 Sorry for the horrible French accent. Now, let's walk a little bit around the, the Rainbow Cloud. We call our intelligent customer platform the Rainbow Cloud. Let's walk a little bit around the, the Rainbow Cloud the to Rainbow look at Cloud. some of the innovation. Yeah, the Rainbow Cloud. But did you see what Rainbow Cloud is an alias for? Because even that has changed. Let's, let's see if we can catch it. Around the, the Rainbow Cloud, we call our intelligent customers platform the Rainbow. He, he, he actually even took a word out of it. He tried to say it so fast. What used to be the customer success platform, John, which is a mouthful enough already, is now the intelligent customer success platform. Right. It's the intelligent customer success platform. <laughs> which it, it, I'll, I'll tangent into this right now, but we'll talk about it more later because we're going to talk about the IBM Watson deal. Right. Um, in the IBM press release, they call it the intelligent customer success platform. In the Salesforce press release, which they're both word for word, aside from these few things, it just says customer success platform. So someone forgot yeah, so to change the Salesforce version. Speaking of nerding it up, John, <laughs> I walk in, John's got this big diff on his screen. He's he's diffed the IBM's version of the press release from Salesforce's <laughs> version of it. <laughs> well, it's a long read. And I, I was having a hard time. It, it, it seemed like they were identical. So I was like, I'm just going to diff this. <laughs> Wow, you are such a nerd. Okay, uh, we have we have another announcement here, John. This is a near and dear also, to our So, and this release is a big release for the platform team because we delivered Salesforce DX. Salesforce DX. Salesforce DX in Spring seventeen. They've delivered Salesforce. Let me rewind this. And this release is a big release for the platform team because we delivered Salesforce DX. How are you enjoying your uh, Salesforce DX, John? I, I um. It's awesome. That's <laughs> great. It, it's Salesforce DX to me. stands it does, for developer experience. It. We have unified all the different developer experience in Salesforce from the programmative developer who's going to use Rich's library to build a native mobile iOS app to the declarative uh, developer who's going to just build an application for point and click. You know, I, I think but at this, this point is, in is time it? I had zoned out because I'm in shock right now. Well, let me ask you this, though. 
I, I don't think that's what Salesforce DX is. Let's listen again. It's all a different developer experience in Salesforce from the programmatic developer uh, experience, DX. Yeah. Salesforce DX stands for developer experience. We have unified... They've unified... All the different developer experience in Salesforce. All the different developer experiences. Salesforce, from the programmative developer who's going to use Rich's library to build a native mobile iOS app, to the declarative uh, developer who's going to just build an application for point and click. So, so he's, he's talking about Lightning. He's talking about the, the Lightning app builder. Because the, the components you write are, you can target both mobile and desktop, and you can make them responsive. However... Is that Salesforce DX? But that's not Salesforce DX, uh, which is what I was going to say. But this is their product VP. Like, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's talking about. Uh, well, <laughs> this is Salesforce, and they do like to change terminology on us. Yeah. So does that mean Trailhead... Trailhead X, that's the only way I can say it, I'm sorry, that's the only proper way to say yeah. it, Trailhead X, uh, is, is going to be uh, just point and click lightning process builder app stuff? No, I just, I mean, I, I'm curious, can, I just was wondering about two things. One, oh, I didn't realize Salesforce DX was, was GA in Spring 17 already. I thought it was in Pilot that I don't have access to. Um, but also, I didn't realize that Salesforce DX unifies all of the developer experiences, whether you're coding in JavaScript or Apex or whether you're, you know, Point and clicking your your boxes and your circles and things. I mean, I didn't I didn't know any of that. This is all news to me. It's a very confusing statement. I I really don't know what to make of what is meant by that. All right. Um, before we continue on, I have to we have to do a callback. What was the lady's name that that Salesforce hired that was the the big Trump friend? Um, uh, was it Megan or yeah? Um, Lip. Uh, what was her name anyway? And and I just found it to be interesting because I think it was a smart political, like strategic way for Salesforce to to get some Trump allies on its team. And this is to me is what's kind of striking about this IBM thing because from a technology perspective, it's Monica Langley. Monica Langley, yeah. From a technology perspective, I'm not. I don't know how much is really there with this IBM. So and we, I don't think let's let's set the stage. So we just had an announcement a couple of days ago, or is it yesterday, that that Salesforce is going to be somehow merging IBM Watson into Einstein, or Salesforce and IBM are going to be merging those two things or, or letting them cr cr you know, integrate together somehow or another. We don't know the details. I've scanned the entire web. I've read all the press releases. Um, there's not a bunch there as far as details. But what I do know is that Ginny Rometty, who is... We've talked about, we talked about about a month ago on this podcast, who is the IBM CEO. The reason we talked about her is because she heads up Trump's like business advisory panel, right? So now we have Mark partnering with another one of, another very Trump friendly, mm -hmm. which I, I think you can't ignore. You, you have to take note of that. I mean, I'm not saying it's not because of Watson, but boy, it sure helps, I think, if that's the strategy here to make sure that we are, you know, on the right side of things or whatever. Right. Well, I don't know. I I, I did a bunch of research on it, too, and I, I think my take on it was, was kind of different, I think, in terms of the whole Watson thing. But you, did you have some clips? I do have a couple of clips. All right. Okay. We'll get into it. Hey, great to be with you. Have you met Watson? Oh, wait. Sorry. Nope. Wrong one. I was actually here and uh, 
uh, on camera at IBM's investor event in New York City, and we're announcing this incredible partnership uh, with IBM today. It's really exciting, bringing two amazing technologies together with IBM, yeah. Watson, and Salesforce Einstein. I think we've dreamed of that partnership for 18 yes. years, so it's amazing <laughs> that it's here today. It only took today. 18 years to make it happen, but it's an exciting. It's, and it's a huge moment for us, for sure. Einstein and Watson got to get together, and also it's great to work with Jenny Rometty, who I'm a huge fan of. And uh, So to me, this is the, uh, I for one, welcome our new Trump overlords <laughs> moment. <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of Jenny Rometty. Boy, she's great. <laughs> so glad to get to work with her. <laughs> Uh, anyway, maybe that wasn't very funny. Um, okay, I have one more. <clears throat> and this is um, this is Ginny describing Watson. That's why I clipped this because I thought maybe this would be instructive. Like she's actually going to describe what Watson is. From all of us at IBM, hello to all our friends at Salesforce in San Francisco, and to everyone tuning in around the world. Let me take a moment to express my excitement about this new partnership with Mark and with Salesforce and allow me to provide some context, which from our perspective is the phenomena of data and AI. Now data is truly changing every industry, every profession in the world. And AI is the only way to turn all of this data into knowledge and insights. Um, I just want to stop there for a second. That's interesting. She's saying, you know, you know data is, and I kind of agree with that, like data is just you know, so important, changing everything. But she says AI is the only way to make use of that. You catch that? The only way to turn all of this data into knowledge and insights, actionable insights, the only way. for better decisions. So, I mean, I guess if if your if your tool is if, if your only you know, tool is a, is, a, is a Watson, everything looks like AI, <laughs> right? I guess. I mean, they have a, together. They have a pretty successful analytics business, and yeah. for them to throw that under the rug because it, 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 it Watson gets folded into the analytics business, I think. But it, and everything I've read said it's not as significant. Um, a number I pulled from some blog posts, so don't trust it, but it said uh, analytics is a $17 billion revenue industry for them. At least it was in 2014. And, and I get the sense that they uh, handle Watson the way that Salesforce has talked about hand, hand, handling Einstein, which is it may not necessarily be like a top-line revenue thing. Like, oh, you can't, you can't just go to Salesforce and buy like just Einstein. Right. It's just it's integrated in, or at least I think that's the main way it's going to be sold is integrated into its other products. And I think that's the way that IBM kind of sells or just incorporates uh, Watson. Yeah, I was, I was, and I don't know if we should get into this now or not, but I, I think IBM has struggled with how to make money off Watson, and so they have all these they have all these different avenues where they you know they they have industries where they've partnered to get collect data first of all, yeah, which will which also feeds into is now going to feed into Salesforce. Um, they have this API where you can kind of plug into it and program against it, and so they're trying to they're trying to make that available. Um, and and then they're trying to you know of course loop it in with their current analytics suites and and integration suites to gain access to information to be able to put it into Watson. Yeah, and it's 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 also I mean it's, I think it's kind of hard to attribute like how much um, how many how much of the sales that we made on this certain product line were because it had some Watson capabilities in it. You know. Yeah. I think I think it, it, I, I want to say it might follow some kind of database trend where you have this place where you can put data and it does stuff with it. But it's the things that you build on top of it that make it valuable. It's the type of, you know, it's the solutions you apply to it, not necessarily the fact yeah. that that technology exists. And, and so it's you, hard to make money off that. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I don't know what the answer is. 
With Salesforce, we're bringing AI further into the enterprise, putting cognitive into the hands of millions of professionals and developers. So I'm just going to let you know, you're going to hear this, the cognitive is the new word. I'm going to add that to me. I have a list of drinking word games. Um, I'm going to add cognitive to it. Drinking game words? <clears throat> what did I say? Drinking game? It's, I don't know. Drinking word games or something. I don't know. I know what you meant. I said what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> And that is just the start. At IBM, we believe that 2017 is the year that AI enters the world at scale. Our cognitive computing platform, Watson, is expected to touch one-seventh of the world's population this year. When well, that's, a, that's a billion people, right? Billion people. Oh, yeah, she said it. That's a billion. So that's where Benioff's getting his billion number It's from. just piggybacking. He is. Oh, my gosh. Salesforce and IBM, Mark and I, just, share a similar they vision. They to do it. A future in which every professional is aided by a cognitive system that augments their expertise. And, and you'll notice these AI vendors, they really, they're talking about augmenting expertise because the, the huge problem here, political and personal or whatever, is that the truth is, is that AI is going to replace a bunch of people's jobs. Yes. Um, maybe not so much at first, but eventually it's, it's going to be massive. That's why you, you hear more and more talk about this basic income is getting more popular again. You know what the basic income is? No. It's the idea that like once we've automated everyone's jobs away, and even so, I mean, look at this country. We're we have nothing left but service industry and like and, and knowledge work, pretty much. That's that's it. And once you <laughs> once you hollow out the, all the knowledge work, like Peter Coffee, you know, he even told us, "Hey, you're not gonna have a job. All these you know tens of thousands of programs that work at Salesforce and or in that in the ecosystem, everything. We're you know, no one's gonna be even though that the way you code for Salesforce hasn't changed in ten years. Ten years from now, it's all gonna be different, and we're not gonna have a job anymore." But right now, you'll hear, you'll hear them really kind of subtly make that point that we're, we're just augmenting. We don't, we don't intend to replace anyone's jobs. We're just augmenting. That's another word that you'll hear over and over and over with AI. Just now that I've mentioned that, you're going you're gonna to notice it. ...system that augments their expertise. Together, our companies are uniquely matched to bring that future to the present. Watson is the AI platform for business, and it excels at understanding unstructured data and industry domains. It's been trained in areas like healthcare, financial services, retail, education. Einstein, the... I think that's actually what Watson, assuming this is real, that's what Watson really brings to Einstein. That is. Is they've just got, you know, data. And that's the thing with um, all this machine learning is that it's really having the data sets to train your algorithms on. Right. That's oftentimes it's a hard part. And that's why like some of these publicly available data sets are, are so valuable because you can, if you think you've come up with some great algorithm, that data set's available, you can train it on. There's, um, there's photo data sets, there's, there's just all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it sounds like they've just spent, you know, for the past 10 years training Watson on all kinds of like different industry data, demographic data, just all kinds of stuff. And that's the thing that Salesforce lacks right now is just data. Right. They may have smart people, they may have some good algorithms and they may be bringing it into their tools, but just the just the amount of time and sheer data it takes to train right. uh, is something that I think the problem is is that Watson has a 10-year advantage on Einstein. True, but I also think that that Watson is uniquely, in terms of data, is unique because... I, I don't know how they got that data. I don't know if they had if they partnered and opted in and, and they somehow acquired access or rights to that information. But it's something Salesforce can't do. Even if even if they had like every healthcare client on the Salesforce platform, they can't flip a switch and 
mine all that data across all the orgs. If you look at all their documentation or wording when it comes to Einstein, they say Einstein can analyze the information in your org. If you look at the words that Socher used, and he, he said this a few times, in your data, within your security, you know, all secure, he was very quick to mention whenever he said something that might have been construed as generic, you know, just free range on your data, he was very quick to bring in that disclaimer. Yep. Your data's still secure. It's still secure. Uh, which is also important because I I tried looking around. I was like, well, how do, how does this stuff get stored? And a lot of people, and these are these are I don't know who these people are. These are just people commenting on forums and blogs. So so take it for what it's worth. But a lot of people are saying that the most um, viable way of storing data, first of all, is in memory because that's the fastest access you have for it, for it. But when it's not in memory, it's it's some kind of flat file. It's JSON or CSV is the preferred format. And of course, you'll wrap security around that. <laughs> But but in order to get quick access so that the engines can kind of fire up and read that data and get it into memory quickly, it's going to be something like that. Yeah, something simple. Yeah. Leading expert in CRM, built to help specific clients in those industries engage with their customers. A retailer, for example, can now create personalized, localized campaigns based on Watson's analysis of the weather, shopping patterns, social media sentiment, plus Einstein's understanding of customer-specific shopping preferences. Insurers, another group, they'll have better insight into things like adverse weather events that can then impact a client in a particular region, helping them proactively engage with anybody might be affected, get their car in and away from hail. Now, working together, we'll give clients the benefit of leveraging data from within and outside the enterprise, combining the general and the specific to give clients smarter, quicker, more informed analysis. Now, our two companies will provide the most complete and detailed understanding of customers available anywhere. So, the cognitive era is just beginning. And on behalf of 380,000 IBMers, we are very excited to unleash its exciting possibilities with all of you at Salesforce. What's an IBMer? Someone who works at IBM. Is that what they... 380,000? Is that real? So, they're not team members or employees or IBMers? IBMers, yeah. That's, That's a thing. Is You've never heard thing? that before? Yeah. No. <laughs> Beamers. Um, yeah, so that kind of makes sense. Like, you know, she talked about the general and the specific. I think Watson is the general and right. Einstein is the, is the specific. Right. I'm, I'm really curious about how that data transfer happens. I feel like she saved, happens. I feel like she, because that which they brought her in, 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 in with a pre-recorded video. Right. That kind of saved this event. That, that was the one thing that made, that actually made some sense to me. Was it the only thing? It kind of was the whole Coke demo. None of it, none of that made any sense. They were solving non-problems, basically. They weren't solving any problems. Is the is the problem with those just the use cases? And they, they did try to talk to some of the things that they delivered in Spring '17, and then they tried to talk to some of the things that they're gonna deliver in summer. And I found it very confusing because I I, I couldn't tell what was going to be in what was in Spring and what was going to be in summer. Yeah. So that that was a fail to me as well. They just they should have just either stuck with one or the other. I think I skipped some past some some of the product detail stuff. So, yeah, I I, I kind of was half listening, so maybe that's why I was so confused. But it it, it just seems like if you're going to do that, talk about one or the other. It's it's less confusing. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah, the augments uh, augmenting that's that's going to be a thing we hear. The cognitive, <clears throat> yeah, and, and this is I read this from another article. This is a, a another quote by Jenny. She says there are there are three stages. Uh, the most basic is machine learning then AI, then cognitive computing. And she says, what we're doing with Mark goes all the way into cognitive, just to be clear. 
I think that I think that's just uh, semantics, really. That's just they're just. Well, no, because I mean, IBM has an API they want people to use. They need a they need a big customer to be using this. They they need sales. Pretty sure IBM has big customers. It, it's it's a it's a public story. It's a big company that they can they can put out there. Just like Co- just like Salesforce brings out Coke every so often, IBM's going to bring out Google and Salesforce and whoever else they can to show these are the people using yeah. our technology. These are the people that are dependent on us for for our cognitive I'm APIs. Not sure how much IBM needed Salesforce here. Oh, and incidentally. IBM will de- be will be deploying Service Cloud amongst its like amongst like a hundred thousand employees. <laughs> just, a, so just a just a coincidence there. I'm surprised. Yeah. All right. So Benioff also did. Uh, I think it was CNBC, which was pretty good. I got a, I got a few clips from that. So sorry about all the clips. I don't know. I don't know if they're boring or not. But I will continue. I like until it. you throw something at me. Hey, great to be with you. Have you met Watson? What's he like? <laughs> Watson is great. Einstein is great. They're very happy to be together. Yes, uh, I love the the pairing. In in heaven, maybe I guess, aren't they? Watson was like, wasn't Watson IBM's um, original CEO? Was he? I always thought it was a. I it might be. I, um, I don't. I, every, every time I think Watson, I think Sherlock Holmes. So. I do too. I do too. But, but Thomas Watson. Um. Yeah, he, I mean, born 1874, died 1956. American businessman. He served as the chairman and CEO of IBM. Oh wow! Well, yeah. that's that's a uh, something I didn't know. Hey, see, this podcast does have some good information. <laughs> you the, will learn. Where's the the if, more you know thing? Dun, 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 oh dun. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. I never know how to pull that up. It's it's got the wrong title. Here we go. You listen to this two-hour podcast enough times, and you will eventually learn something from see, it. See that that sound clip is ingrained in my memory processing. So yeah. I hear information, then I hear the sound, and that tells my brain commit to mem- to long sto- long-term storage. Right. All right. Um. Yes, uh, I love the the pairing there. But Mark, a lot of people know a little bit about. Did she have like some cheese and wine next to her? There, what's she talking about? She seems kind of crap. I, I like a good pairing. I, I don't know. It seems she seems kind of like up there. Like yeah. she's she's in the clouds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, she gets she comes down to earth pretty quick because she keeps she keeps trying to nail him down. Which I, I thought this was actually a pretty good interview. And a little bit about artificial intelligence. And let's say they're Salesforce customers right now. What will this offer them as soon as it's implemented? Well, this is really a landmark. So, what will this? What is this going to offer your customers? Agreement between IBM and Salesforce to bring together two amazing technologies. And I'll tell you, it's very exciting because we just released our spring release of Salesforce. So all, all of our customers around the world have Einstein now built right into. Is that true? Do we all have Einstein now? I don't know. We got lead scoring. That, and that's everyone has that. So that's Einstein. Okay. To sit into their Salesforce uh, implementations because Salesforce Einstein is built right into our declarative platform. Well, now what we're doing is we're going to augment that with Einstein. And Wait a minute. Listen to this again. Spring release of Salesforce. So <clears throat> all, all of our customers around the world have Einstein now built right into, into their Salesforce uh, implementations because Salesforce Einstein is built right into our declarative platform. Well, now what we're doing is we're going to augment that with Einstein. And I- yeah. Does he mean Watson? We're going to augment that with Watson? I think he meant Watson. Watson. Yeah. I thought that's what he meant. Yeah. I could give you an example if you give me a Please. second, which is yeah, last do. night. 
Last night here in San Francisco, we had unbelievable. By the way, he's got like the he's got the the gigglies in this interview. <laughs> well, he he did on Kramer too. Maybe maybe he just likes interviews. He gets all excited. Unbelievably crazy hailstorms. <laughs> so we had like a hailstorm, a brave, <clears throat> gorgeous blue sky, then a rainstorm. Well, you know, insurance providers want to get to those auto policy holders and say, hey, get your cars in the garage. The hail is coming. Well, Watson and, uh, has that data. What Salesforce has, we have all the policy holders information and we're managing five of the top five insurance companies on Salesforce. Now you can put those two things together and all of a sudden those insurance companies can notify hmm. those policy holders, hey, the hail is coming. <laughs> So, so that's that, that's <laughs> laugh at the end there. <laughs> this this is the same talking points that were in the the press release. Uh, this press release tried to outline what you're going to get with the IBM Watson and Salesforce Einstein merger or I don't know married couple partnership. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> rainbows. I don't know. Right. Uh, but but access to the IBM APIs through through Salesforce. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I, I guess that means Einstein's going to be using the IBM. APIs, yep. but how that how that affects me, I have no idea. The other one is this weather thing, this IBM Insights weather thing, which he's talking to. And the weather, I've, the weather thing is a company they bought, so that's how they acquired all this information and were able to put this into Watson. And I guess this is just this is the data they own, and they're able to kind of give this away and make it available. So there's going to be some kind of lightning component that you can stick on your screen that'll give you weather. Analytics and take that into account. And the other one is um, Blue Wolf Consulting Services. Right, <clears throat> that's a big part of this. The, well, yeah. So but let's, let's remind everyone: IBM bought Blue Wolf. Yeah, what a year ago, maybe something like that, which was a pretty big Salesforce partner. I think you know. I'm guessing they yeah. were. Um, well, I don't know, twenty, thirty million dollar company, fifty million maybe at the high end. I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't know. Probably a couple hundred consultants, and so a, a pretty good size uh, company. And as a part of this, this this actually this combination of Einstein and, and Watson uh, creates a giant revenue opportunity for that for that Blue Wolf team at at, at IBM. Yeah, and it sounds like it sounds like they're going to have like carte blanche or or like a, you know rights of refusal on a lot of these Einstein deals. Yeah, yeah, because apparently, from what I read, that they they already have clients that they're doing yeah stuff with Watson. Um, and they're probably going to start, of course, leveraging Einstein as but, much as but possible. But I put too. this 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 uh, example of, oh, uh, you know, your insurance company will tell you when to move your car into the garage. I, I this is this is just like the Coke example. It's ridiculous. Well, you know it, what? I, it is I already because... have something that tells me that, and you know, it's it's called Doppler radar, and everyone nowadays has apps on their phone, and they can notify you when you have bad weather coming. Yeah, and it's it doesn't require any AI. We got radars. <laughs> They're looking at the clouds. <laughs> they can see hail. <laughs> Again, it, it, it's it's an it's an easy it's an easy win for them. Well, I because, saw because it. IBM okay. owns this data now because they acquired what data? it. The weather data. They acquired a company that that calc that gathers this information, this weather information. And so they're able to take that data and plug it into Watson so they can use it as part of the algorithms that say because uh, because you hear you we talked about this that Making a decision requires more than just the data that the patterns that exist. You have to take into an account external factors. So, insurance—they're trying to say the external factor here is the weather. You know, what's the weather like today? Yes, there's this pattern that you know last year May whatever May seventeenth it rained really bad. That doesn't mean it's going to rain really bad 
this year at May 17th. Not at all, right? That's why I so, don't I don't understand how historical weather data helps predict whether well, it's going to hail Well, it doesn't, but you, you can do a trend, you can do a pattern, and then you apply current weather, current weather and its progression, how it got to that point, and compare that and correlate that with other weather events and see if we're headed for something along those lines. So, so you can kind of do that kind of analysis and correlation. Uh, but my point is, the only reason that they're speaking about this a lot is because it's it's easy data. It's data that they own. They're, they're trying to sell an asset. that They're trying to monetize an asset that they bought. Yes. <laughs> That's what it is. But it's also data that has it. the least amount of strings attached. It's not it. like they, could, they couldn't they could just stick healthcare into this. Because like, like, healthcare would have been a big win, right? Healthcare, you know, uh, uh, healthcare should have been on this list. It sh- that would have been way, uh, way better useful. But I think health, the health data is much harder to spread <clears throat> from one company to another because there, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of privacy. There's right. a lot of things, strings attached to that data. This weather information, uh, no one cares about. And they bought the company yeah. that had that data. So it's easy to, to put this up as an example. Right. All right. Um, let's see next. So who, Mark, does this offer wider distribution of Einstein? As Because we're looking at the reaction in the shares, and investors clearly seem to like this. So I feel like, you know, this, this lady that's interviewing, I feel like she's been prepped in a good way. Like, she's, she's been told, hey, you need to ask him for actual examples because from what everything we've seen so far, we, we're not seeing realistic examples. Tell me if you feel the same way. Why, why, this... why do you think she was prepped? Why can't she just be... Maybe she was. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was self-prep. I'm just yeah. saying either she prepped herself or, or, you know, whatever. During her prep, she knew that she was going to have to work to get actual examples. Offer wider distribution of <clears throat> Einstein as because we're looking at the reaction in the shares and investors clearly seem to like this. <laughs> Well, I'll tell, you why, I'll tell you why investors like this. Number one, don't forget, we're coming off of an unbelievable quarter. So what is her question to him? <laughs> How is this going to help people use Einstein? How are people going to use Einstein? And what is his answer? Uh, that we just announced a couple days ago, we grew our deferred revenue to $14.5 billion, up 28%. That was way beyond our expectation and way beyond our investors' expectations. So we still have a huge tail off the incredible fourth quarter that we had last week. That's number one. Number two is, this is two of the most important companies in technology coming together for the benefit of their customers. And those example, those top five insurance companies yeah. that we run, they're all going to use this technology, but not just them. Of course, we run five of the top five media companies, top of the five, top five banks, five of the top five insurance companies. They're all going to benefit from this capability, uniting Salesforce and IBM together. Yeah. That's really a huge story. Because if I, I wanted to be... I, I think it, I, he doesn't answer the question, and I struggle to think that investing in a early technology like this, a technology both for IBM and... Salesforce, new technology, I want to say cutting edge, but at the same time, when, when you get into that world, it's, it's a world where you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to spend a lot of money on figuring out the goods and bads. Yep. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a, an efficiency thing. It's not a thing that's going to increase productivity and increase profitability because it's cutting edge. You're having to learn as you go. And so I don't think investors of other companies are going to be like, yeah, let's go do this AI thing and and add a bunch more money into R and D. Yeah, but it's, it 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 might be good for investors looking at Salesforce and IBM right. because there's this new there's this infusion of tech, there's an infusion of, of conversation and um, I don't know media coverage around them, which boosts the brand. Yeah, but I don't think that that extends to companies that are using it. Right. I I hear you. 
a cynic, I'd say you're hitting all the right <coughs> buzzwords right now. You got artificial intelligence, you got cloud, you got yeah. Watson and Einstein. It all sounds right. very impressive, but <laughs> it, it, you know. But you didn't answer my question, which was. I, I appreciate the examples as a way to understand what this means. The non-example examples. In the real world, um, can you think of a couple others in the in the ways that your company will monetize this? Again. How are you going to sell this? How are people going to actually use it, right? I, okay. I, she had some really great, or has some really great questions. Yep. Well, I'll tell you that we're moving well, <laughs> you know, all of our customers to this intelligent uh, platform as fast as possible. Now, we've been doing cloud. He couldn't remember intelligent customer success platform. It's hard to remember that on the fly. That's too long. Did you hear him? He just, he kind of punted. Well, because you, you get this cadence, you're so used to saying customer success platform, and now you, it's got to change. It's yeah. it's like it's like January every year. You always write the la the year before right. until you remember uh, it's yep. the next year. Customers to this intelligent uh, platform as fast as possible. Now, we've been doing cloud for 18 years, which was a lot. You know, we've been cloud before cloud was cool, and then of <laughs> course we rode into social, we rode into mobile. So she she kind of busts balls for using so many buzzwords. And then she asked him the question again, and he's just cloud, social, mobile. He's yeah. And now we're adding AI. And what's unique <laughs> about IoT Salesforce is when cognitive. you're using the Salesforce platform and we go mobile or we go AI, you automatically get it. So all of our customers are on our artificial intelligence platform, Einstein, and so they're getting lead scoring mm -hmm. and opportunity insights and next best offer. And uh, tomorrow we have a you know what next best offer is? I have no idea. Yeah. Major event here in San Francisco, and we're going to announce the, a couple of huge relationships with some new customers. And one of them is a CPG customer who's using Einstein to automatically look at what are the inventories in their refrigerators in their major <laughs> retailers. And then Einstein is able to roll the service trucks and roll the inventory yeah. right to the retailer. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Roll them out. <laughs> oh my gosh. He didn't have any examples. He just has no answers. I, I just, I, I feel like Salesforce is, you know, a couple of years ago, they're like, gosh, you know, you could see this AI thing coming, right? It was a big deal. It's, it's been a big deal at universities for, oh, I don't know, 10, 10 years. Machine learning, right, has been mm -hmm. on this CS curriculum for a, a while now. So we, we knew this was coming. And with, with these big cloud um, infrastructure players like Amazon and, and Azure and even IBM software to a less degree, I guess. Um, you'd actually have the scale and the storage to be able to process the amount of data that's required for AI, right? So it's, it's actually now the technology's or the, the infrastructure is catching up with the technology, I guess, is a way to say it. And I think Salesforce, give them credit, saw that coming. And so I think they sat, they were like sitting around and they were like, gosh, we got to do something with AI. Well, what do we do? Well, I don't know. Let's just start buying AI companies and then at some point we'll figure it out. <laughs> and, and I, because I, I guess I just get the idea that I feel like Benioff still doesn't have a good vision of how his customers are going to use this. Like he knows he needs it and I agree he probably does. And there's some of the, you know, like he just mentioned, like the lead scoring, which his competitors have done for a decade, lead scoring, next best offer, whatever that is, predictive, blah, 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 and opportunities. Like that's, that's the kind of, those are the use cases I think that most people kind of, I mean, I feel like I kind of understand those. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is people that start using the sales cloud Einstein, I guess, which is what these, those three features are a part of. Mm -hmm. um, how much do you trust those? Like if Einstein's telling you like which leads to do or or who you need to work for an opportunity or like at what what offer you should make or how much you should sell something for or whatever like 
do you just we don't know if Einstein's right or not. And, and there's no, there's that's the thing with, with these statistics and things. There's no right or wrong. There's just like confidence levels. Like, and I, and I don't even know if it shows that. Do, do we see p values and confidence intervals of mm-hmm. like, okay, at a 95% confidence interval, um, we, th- you know, we think you should offer this amount for that product you're trying to sell. Like, but do we, until we use Einstein a lot and let it make these decisions for us, how do we know if, if it's going to be effective or not? And then how do you run an experiment? Like, let's say, let's say you just whole hog, you, you do all the sales cloud Einstein stuff, and six months later, your sales are up 10%. Right. Well, was that because of Einstein? Well, any good data scientist will tell you, we, we don't know. We can't tell you that. You'd have to be able to somehow run that. That's like if we, if, if we had um, you know, never had any fossil fuels, would, um, would the earth be as hot as it is right now? Well, maybe not, but we don't know. We don't know, and we don't know how much. Another example is like uh, it's probably the best one the, the 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 experiment that you always want to do that you can't is is economies mm-hmm. like we can like for like the Fed funds rate like we can cut interest rates um, but wouldn't wouldn't it be great to know if like if you or like uh, let's say tax policy like does cutting taxes actually eventually in, increase a government revenue uh, collection because it because it, it stimulates the economy well. It's hard to know. You have to be able to run that experiment, but you need to be able to run two, at least two experiments. Like, what control? Like a well, control to, and a have, variable, right? You have to have three, don't you? You have to have the control. Or a tri- like a triangle test yeah. or something? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so. Well, the more the better. But that's what I'm saying. Like, do you just trust Einstein and let it make all these sales decisions for you? Well, I don't think Einstein is looking to make decisions at this point. At, the, at this point, well, it's I, recommendations. Do you it, take it, its recommendations? Yeah, I, and, I think and you experiment with it, and you 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 see how it plays out. Well, and 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 I and again, I haven't looked at this. This is just really just a rhetorical question, I guess. Maybe not though. Like, what what inform what data has Salesforce shown us that proves that Einstein is good? Well, Salesforce is providing the tool, and that's the thing. They're providing the tool, and how you make use of it, and how well you make use of it is is entirely but, different. But yeah, but it's it's scoring. You're not scoring. It's scoring your leads. It it's, is, you know, it's doing these things, and if and if you if you take its scores, if you're taking its recommendations, I mean, the question is, my my question to Salesforce is, why should I take those recommendations? Like, how have you? Can I see the studies where you have proven, where you've run all these things in real, you know, in real scenarios somehow that, that proves that Einstein actually makes good decisions on these things, that it's giving good advice? But how how can it? I don't think you can. That's that's my question. I mean, if I'm a VP of sales at a company, this this is scary to me. Well, it's a tool, and it can provide you with a way to kind of bubble up things that could be important based on certain factors. It, 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 I hate to say it, but it's almost at this at this point in time, it's almost like a glorified sorting engine because it it allows you to to identify which ones are more important. What should I focus on? What should be my first ten calls today? Yeah, those type of things. Well, and and, and it does rely on data. In fact, I have it in my notes here to get into this. And so there's some considerations for for using lead insights since we're talking about it. Um, there should be at least a thousand leads with converted opportunities in your Salesforce organization. So you have to you actually have to follow a certain flow. Yeah. It has to have leads. You have to have a lot of data. You have to have a lot of data, and you, they have to be have been converted. Um, the sales reps have to convert, create the opportunity during conversion. So you right. can't just create it without an opportunity and then add the opportunity. And later. by the way, this this is an example of like if you have good data, like if you've if you've been tracking good data, you have the right custom fields and you've populated them correctly with good clean values and everything. Mm-hmm. This is when something like Einstein will really be able to help you. If your data is not that good, you're going to get you're not probably going to have good results from Einstein. 
but it's not just historical data. The next one is your sales reps should be converting at least 150 leads to opportunities each month. Okay. That's um, interesting. I mean, I guess... And your sales reps should be filling in their lead records thoroughly. I mean, what if you sell... <laughs> what if you sell... Um, you know, corporate jets. I mean, you probably don't have that many leads in a month. You probably have, if you're lucky, a couple of leads in a month. Well, if you're selling corporate jets, you probably don't need yeah. that. Those are, those are pretty big, well, high-touch deals. And the other thing I'm thinking of, because I, I, I know how some of the tools that this, this, these things use. And for example, like if, like say my, my close rate for customers in Texas is three times greater than my close rate for customers in California. Einstein's going to look at that and it's going to tell me, it's going to score those Texas leads higher every time for me. Yeah, but but I still have to know like if there's a certain lead that I've gotten. I haven't know it's a hot lead or whatever from that's from California. I mean, I guess I don't know. I guess you have to just take all this with a grain of salt. Like you still need to like Einstein's still not as smart as a human with with actual information that's not captured in the system. And it, how could it be? Right? It can't it, it can't? And it, it's but you have to really be careful. Can't. Like don't. What if it's shuffling leads? Because um, uh, in another interview, Mark talked about how. Someone talked about how you know it, Einstein can shuffle your leads in like three different buckets, like one bucket that your your outside reps work on because that because that's scoring them so high that like they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. The middle bucket for your inside reps to work <clears throat> to try to you know do more qualification on to figure out what's there, and then a bottom bucket which basically just goes to trash. Well, what if I again? What if you know historically like California customers just I have a really low close rate. Close rate. It's going to put those right in the trash. But like if I'd put a lead in that I knew was like. You know, oh, I, I I happen to know because like my my friend referred me here, so I have a, like this good in and like I, you know whatever. I mean, if I let Einstein just do my buckets for me, I'll never see that lead again. That's well, why you have to be careful on these. It, things. it is. I mean, that's why you really have to not not trust the the system entirely to make these decisions, but see those kind of things and, and use it as a way to refocus. It, it if this if the system's doing its job and say your Texas market. It, it does great at scoring those, but you notice California isn't scoring well. Maybe that's where you spend your attention in trying to understand, you know, why is the data collection bad for California? Is there some kind of demographic issue? Are, we not, are our campaigns not reaching them? Are they culturally, are the campaigns not resonating with Californians versus Texans? I mean, yeah, it, could be a, it could be a way for you to kind of see where you need to spend some more attention and maybe gather different types of data. And that's that's where I think currently I'm guessing that, that I think that's where you that's where that's where Einstein is going to stop. It'll it can tell you statistically that this lead is statistically more likely to do better than this lead. What it's not going to tell you is why other than the basic like, well, because they're in California and those usually don't do that well for you. But it's not going to it's not going to tell you, well, why do your products not do well in California then? You know, it it can tell you you don't do it well in California. What it can't tell you is why. Yeah, but I mean, so far all we've been talking about is, is uh, I can't say the word, statistical analysis. Pretty much. Um, getting into Einstein where it should be doing more cognitive things. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're a company that sells, uh, I don't know, roofs. And because you have this weather thing integrated with your leads, you, you can see that there was a storm in, in an area and you, you grab all the leads from that area because they just had a big hailstorm and you start marketing to those guys. Yeah. I mean, th- those things are valuable. That's that's reaching outside of historical statistics and ana- analyzing patterns and really tackling but the That's now. also one of those things that like everyone in the roof business already does that and they don't need some you know, know. million dollar service to tell them to do that. Every time we have a bad hailstorm, we get like a hundred people showing up at our door. Uh, and, you need roofs? You yeah. need roof? You need yeah. roof? And, and I don't know, maybe you and I are just simpletons. We can't, we, we're just, we can only think of simple examples, but that even, I mean, that example just doesn't make sense. The people already do that. Like they don't need... They don't need, you know, a, a regression algorithm to tell them that. You know, I got one more clip, and then we probably should move along. 
is the biggest player in this space today. Okay, yeah. Who would you say is the biggest player in this space today, the space that you're describing? Who, who's your main competition here? Who's your main competition? Who do you think it is? In AI? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I guess, you know, AI with CRM and all that stuff. I don't know. It's got to be, well, they don't, of course, they don't have to talk about it, but Oracle's, Oracle's up there. Oracle's got some serious AI. So uh, I, maybe I just don't spend enough time reading I don't Oracle either, really. stuff because I'm completely <clears throat> unaware of that. As you continue to grow your pie. Well, we're the number one CRM provider in the world today. I think you know that. That's, <laughs> right. that's, that's the most important thing for Salesforce. And in. <laughs> yeah. The most important thing is not the question you ask. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer a different question. Sales and service and marketing and community and analytics and apps and e-commerce, these are the areas that we're playing. So whether you're buying Adidas, you know, uh, off of the web or whether you're getting uh, customer service and support from Bank of America or maybe you're getting service uh, from Farmers Insurance, it's all happening through Salesforce. So who's, who's your competition? Who are the players? And he talks about Adidas and whatever. Okay. Well, he... he he said what he wanted to say. Well, you, I, I will bet money that when, when Benioff decides to hang his hat up at Salesforce, he moves into politics because, man, he'd make a good politician. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, does that mean that IBM could have or would have been a rival here? And I was reading even today about General Electric and Siemens and some of these big companies that are doing more to help machines uh, communicate no. with each other. That, that feels like a different sort of industrial internet type of thing. So... That's you know, right. again, That's what, right. what is this new field that you're describing? Because it almost seems so broad. It's just, you know, it's. I'd be interested to know how you would describe that competitive landscape. Great question. You have to remember, Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. Man wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much for marketing. Cloud, uh, you have uh, to remember, Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM, managing your customer relationship. What? How, how is this possible, John? I, I don't. I don't know what happened. We went into the. What about? Um, hang on. What? What about the, the fifth act? We're in our fifth act, right? CRM, service, yeah. marketing, social, all that stuff. <laughs> it's, I'd be interested to know how you would describe that competitive landscape. You have to remember, Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM, managing your customer relationships. IBM really is focused on doing three amazing things, providing systems integration services to very large customers, providing Watson, and providing a new cloud platform. And where this comes together, I'll give you another example. We have a great joint customer with Kone, you know, the elevator company, an escalator company. Mm -hmm. they, have, they have these amazing new elevators and escalators that are connected right onto the cloud. Well, of course, we're managing the relationship with the escalators and the elevators with Kone and the customer information. But if the system is determining through Watson that there's a predictive maintenance problem happening on the elevator or there's a predictive maintenance happening uh, on the escalator, then through Salesforce's service capability, we can hmm. roll a truck right to get that elevator and escalator fixed right there and then. Roll a truck. Well, I guess everything is rolling a truck. Yeah. But, okay, so first of all, these systems, they already have built-in instruments. They are self-instrumented to, to detect failures. They know when they've failed. It, and, yeah. it, and it doesn't require big data or machine learning or anything else. What, what's he, I don't understand that. Like, again, this is another non-use case. 
Well, I, I feel like it, it's such early days for for Einstein, and it hasn't found its place yet. It has these. It's a tool, and they're they're struggling to create this message around it, and be, and because of that, we get we get these kind of scenarios that kind of make sense. But when you really dig into it, you're like, well, how's that different from today? How's that different from you know what we do today? I mean, yeah, how's that going to be actually better? I mean. But it could be just a convenience factor. I mean, think about our watches. I, I, I mean, our, our phones do way more than our watches, but they've kind of become a convenience thing. Like, I can just kind of turn my wrist and I can look at it or I can do something. Like it, it, it doesn't replace my phone. It doesn't do anything. It just kind of augments a little bit. It makes it a little more convenient because it's yeah, on my wrist. Augments it. <laughs> <clears throat> so I feel like that's all we're doing is we're kind of augmenting, maybe making make something a little more convenient, maybe providing some kind of you know, algorithm that maybe you wouldn't normally have access to, you know, maybe, maybe you're a small business and you don't know how to score leads. And so Einstein's giving you a way to do it out of the box. Yeah. Um, I just had a couple other quotes here. Like here was uh, from the various articles I read. So one, this is from Benioff. He said, this is really beyond my wildest dreams in terms of what's possible today. And by the way, that we're able to replace Microsoft products at IBM as a bonus for us. And then he laughed. It literally says parentheses laughs. Oh, so much for the Microsoft uh, partnership. Yeah, in, an, uh, in another like article, like at the very end, like in in uh, the last sentence was, IBM will also deploy Salesforce Service Cloud internally as a sign of goodwill. Um, IBM Watson APIs will be integrated into Salesforce. That's a quote. IBM Watson APIs will be integrated into Salesforce. So it will be using a lot of their APIs. Uh, well, and what does that mean? Does that mean that Salesforce will call... Yeah, Watson APIs, or that well, be, Salesforce will make Watson APIs available to Salesforce's customers. I, I don't think so. I think I think I think uh, Einstein will be calling Watson APIs mainly because I don't think they want to move the data. Yeah, this this weather it's called the Weather Company, which IBM acquired in 2015. Will yep. will provide a new component on the App Exchange so that Salesforce customers can pull weather data more easily into their apps. So it's just pulling weather data is all that is. I mean, I don't know. Here's availability though. Uh, IBM Watson and Salesforce Einstein integration is expected to be available in the second half of this year. Mm-hmm. Pricing will be announced at the time of uh, GA. Yep. The IBM Weather Lightning component on the app exchange is expected to be available in the second half of 2017. And Blue Wolf, an IBM company, expects to offer new industry-focused solution accelerators at the second half of 2017. And the IBM Application Integration Suite. Yep, that's the, that's the other For thing. Salesforce is expected to be available by the end of March. That's like in a, a week. So, so the other piece of the puzzle is all your on-premise data that's not on the cloud, that's not in Salesforce, but you, your data warehousing, all that kind of information. You, if you want to include that data into your Watson or your Einstein, you, you'll have to get it. You'll, you, you don't have to, but one of the ways to do that is to use IBM integration services to get that data up. So just boiling this down, this is like, okay, IBM agrees to, to use Salesforce Service Cloud in a big way, and Salesforce agrees to sell this IBM application integration suite to its customers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Part for the course. I mean, Amazon did the same thing. There's this partnership with Amazon and so, and uh, and here are some points of analysis that I that I uh, this that I read. Okay. So here's one. It's probably fair. This is not me. This is analysts, whatever that's worth. I mean, they're probably tech journalists. It's probably fair to say that Salesforce has signed up as an IBM customer. Yeah. Um, despite all the hyperbole around Einstein following its launch, Salesforce isn't even remotely close to where I, IBM uh, wants it is when it comes to AI. 
That's according to Patrick Moorhead. He's a uh, principal analyst at Moore Insights and Strategy. Salesforce needs IBM because they're still way behind in AI, he says. Meanwhile, IBM is a clear, is a leader in it. And that could be, maybe Salesforce, even though they've, you know, they've, you know, done some acquisitions over the past couple of years and they've got some smart people, like, it's still just, maybe they realize, like, there's no way we're going to, there's no way we're going to catch up. Oh, I don't, I don't and think... if we really want to leapfrog Oracle and SAP, we've got to, you know, IBM makes a lot of sense because IBM's not a real big, that's, Mark made a good point. Like, they're, Salesforce is, I mean, I, we joke, but Salesforce pretty much is like CRM. I mean, mm-hmm. that's their main thing. I guess service is a big part in, in marketing, but, you know, CRM is still kind of like their bread and butter. Right. Uh, and IBM, that, I don't think they're in the CRM business, are they, at all? I don't think so. So, they're like, they're, they're one of the few companies with major AI technology that's not in the CRM business. So, let's partner with IBM, and that puts us in a really good competitive position against Oracle and SAP. Yeah, I mean, they get some ready-made algorithms already there. They get access to some data. I mean, that, that definitely leapfrogs right. them from, from where they'd be today if they just completely homegrown it. This is also interesting. Customers who met with Deutsche Bank analysts said in a note to the investment bank's clients that the consensus was from these Salesforce customers that, quote, the Einstein AI offerings are intriguing but super early stage and mostly marketing. But even with integrating Watson, that's still true. I think people are still struggling to find ways of how can I use AI effectively? How can I use it to really augment what I'm doing in a meaningful way? You know, not not just something that I'm already doing today. Yeah, and that's a question that I just, I have no idea what the answer is because I don't follow IBM enough at all. Maybe they have integrated it into their products and things, you know, there's certain ones, I, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Well, that was my long coverage of the IBM Salesforce <laughs> integration and the fiscal year 18. That was well done. Yeah. Anything, uh, any other thoughts from Mr. DeSantiago? On this whole event? Yep. I don't well, know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious of what people in general thought of it. I mean, because we're, we're kind of up to date with all the, or try to be with all the Salesforce stuff, and we're, we kind of look at this from a very certain perspective, but I wonder, you know, what a real customer thinks of this, what, how they really feel about this, you know, is this just noise, background noise to them? Cause they're, they're focused on getting their implementation going. They're, they're focused on, do I move to lightning or not? And now there's this whole new Einstein thing. And I wonder if customers are just like, I don't have time to worry about that right now. I, I'm still trying to get my CRM going. I'm, I'm trying to get Einstein, uh, lightning up and running. You know, I, I wonder if, if, if this is all for show for investors because customers just, they just don't have the mental capacity for this right now. Don't you think Salesforce customers at this point are pretty well trained to not take this stuff seriously at this early stage? Whether it's, I mean, VMware, social enterprise, IoT, the Microsoft partnership. I mean, don't you think they're just trained to be like, okay, that, that's cool. I mean, thanks for letting me know, but we're going to wait a couple of years and see what you do with this. I feel like everyone's pretty much trained for that. I hope not. I, I hope really? that Salesforce marketing hasn't created a cynical customer base, <laughs> to be honest. Because I, 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 yeah, well, I mean, they've you, certainly made a cynical Jeremy. <laughs> they have. I mean, they, they've they've uh, we we've kind of been kind of cynical. But I, I hope that doesn't translate to customers. I hope that their marketing and the things that they do. do well, we not heard what these customers to told customers. these analysts. They they called it. Well, I, I okay. Well, how about this? Maybe they're cynical, but they still they still see value in the platform because I I certainly don't want the platform to go away. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 do, I do see more customers, especially at Dreamforce, if you go after an event and you have lunch or a beer with someone, how they'll be like a real customer. I mean, 
they'd be like, yeah, that's just all smoke and mirrors. I, I get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're playing the game just like we're playing the game. You know, we're all playing this game and we all just kind of look the other way and pretend we're not playing this, this right. game. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, this is a big initiative for Salesforce. I think it's, I think it's real, but I also think it's, you know, it's, it's still very new, right? And it's, you know, I mean, they've, they're rolling it out. So there's, you can start using parts of it apparently, <clears throat> but it's, it's, you know, it's a first generation product. Yeah. I, I, I hope that what's not happening is people feel like they're missing out on something. Cause I it, you know, you hear these things, you hear these initiatives, you hear IOT, you know, like with IOT. I mean, IOT was the big thing. You better be doing something with IOT because it's it's here, it's now. You better be doing something with social because it's here, it's now, it's yeah. big. Yeah, oh, social enterprise. Yeah. You know, and they, they create this kind of sense of urgency with people like, you better be there. Don't don't miss out like you did with, with creating a web page. And, and mobile. That was a big one too, mobile. And people still, I mean, I don't ever use the Salesforce mobile stuff, but people... I hear actually conflicting reports on Salesforce. Some people say that hey, it works pretty well. Some people say it's just so slow they don't they hate it. So, mm-hmm. but it's I don't think we've had the mobile revolution that sells the story Salesforce was telling a few years ago. I don't think was accurate at all. But I think I, most people still prefer to sit down on their computer and get work done. True, but I I think it's just one of those tools that and we that, were t- we were told that you know Benioff was going to run his run his whole business from his watch, and I don't think anyone believed that. I, we've said this before. I think he can. He's the CEO. He has like hundreds of, of people below him to do all the actual work. He's the visionary. He's yeah. the he's the he's the chief salesman. He's probably like one out of seven people in this country that can do their job by look with their watch. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. Well, plus, he hired Keith. I mean, Keith does all the work. Yeah, nowadays, exactly. Right? I mean, he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, we just. I think we need to keep mentioning. <clears throat> John and I will be at Texas Dreaming. Which is what May tenth or no May eleventh and twelfth. So I, I feel like we should, you know, I don't know if, if people are planning on going. Like, uh, let us know in the in the Slack channel or something. I'd like to find out like how many people will be there because we and we, we probably need to start planning something. I, I figured like maybe Thursday night we can all go out to dinner or something as as a meetup. Yeah, maybe maybe um, it's uh, May eleventh to the twelfth to the twelfth. Yeah, Why can I talk? So yeah. Um, That'd be great. I mean, I know people. I mean, I'm sure there'll be people there that that we know. But I'm, I've even heard some people saying they're actually they think they're thinking of flying in from from out of town for this. So if you are, you know, just let us know. Um, Slack Slack's probably the best way. If you're not in our Slack channel um, in our Slack team, just go to GoodDaySirPodcast.com, click on Community, uh-huh. and you can get in. It's a it's a happening place. Some smart smart folks there. Um, Do you want to bring up uh, TrailheadX? Um, just that we're thinking of going. We are, but you possibly have a scheduling conflict. I do, and I'm working on that. So I have okay. a vacation that's going to like wrap around trail trail headaches. Trail headaches. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll see. But I, yeah, I I would like to go to that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will pop- if 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 Wade lets me in, <laughs> I would like to go. <laughs> I, I will hopefully hopefully be there. I have a lot of travel too because we have Texas Dreaming in May. I have a family vacation in June as well. And then, and then Trailhead X in yeah. June. So, are you even considering Dreamforce? No, I'm yeah, not. Me neither. I mean, I'd like to go. It's just, it's so big. There's it so is. many people. It's just, yeah. and it's so hard to get. It's so expensive. I mean, uh, what what someone was making the point that basically, for what your hotel room costs, you could buy like a top of the line Apple Watch and throw it away every day. That's how much your hotel costs every day. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, and that's just. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's not crazy to you, but that's totally crazy to me to spend that much money. 
Um, now, if someone was paying me, that's the thing. I, it's even if take the cost factor out, it's just so uncomfortable being that crowded and that hard to get anywhere, that hard to find a restaurant that's decent that actually is going to have availability that that is not going to be sh- shut down by Aptus. You know, <laughs> right. I don't know. But I mean, otherwise, I'd like to go because I know that's my only chance to see a lot of people. But it's just, I don't know. It's just too big, man. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll make another go at it after the sting of the last one wears off. Once, was, once you forget, once you forget all all the stuff you just mentioned, you'll eventually forget and be like, "Oh, it wasn't that bad." I know we exactly. Try again. It's like um, you know, women. I've heard women say this: like you kind of forget how ch- how bad childbirth is, and also after your kids are born for like the next six months, how tired you are. Yeah, you forget. Yeah. But like I think we're biologically programmed too, because if not, you would never have a second kid. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> anyway, um, help us. Share us on the socials. Tell a friend. Join our community, which I already talked about. Just click community on our website. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or just click the stars. Um, recommend us an Overcast or whatever app you use that has recommendations. And if you have any questions for us that you want us to talk about or topics or whatever, info at gooddaysterpodcast.com. Or if you just want to get in contact with us for whatever reason, like you want to pay us a million dollars or whatever to advertise your awesome product. <laughs> we don't really do ads, so please don't contact us with ads. But otherwise, info at gooddaysterpodcast.com. What else, John? What am I? What am I leaving out? That's it. It's good. You need all the likes and stars and socials yeah. and well, feel goods. I'm just going to leave you with a final thought: unity and variety. Uh, I don't know what. To, uh, uh, good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and to uh, that, I'll do it properly. Okay. <laughs> you blew it. I blew. It. I don't know what you're. I was thrown thrown for a loop. I don't know. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. You have to remember, Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM, managing your customer relationships.